Welcome to the last three rows of horror podcast. Mike here with Big Sal and Merry Christmas. And Sam Samino, and I'm one of America's leading <laughs> investigative <laughs> investigative journalists for, for for paranormal phenomenon. I'm 35 years old and I'm I'm hot on the trail of paranormal ghosts. And I'm just a Bob Seger fan, so... Oh, God, that's funny. That is so funny. <laughs> oh, folks, how you doing? It's been a while. Uh, it's Christmas, so Merry Christmas. Merry Krampus. And it's cold. Bah humbug, and Happy New Year. And it's cold. And it's kind of cold, yeah. It's a little bit cold, yeah. A little chilly. Sal's nipples are very hard. They're very hard. Leaking, too. You, you can cut glass with them. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, Mikey, yeah. Mikey. Let's hear about Pittsburgh, buddy. Yeah, so I went to Pittsburgh... Uh, before I get into that, I want to say thank you all for listening, subscribing, and uh, streaming the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, liking us on Instagram and Facebook. Don't you forget, we got that email. We'd love to hear from you. Sam, what is the email? Last three rows of horror at gmail.com. So today, folks, we're going to talk uh, some more about uh, the Conjuring universe, um, the Enfield Poltergeist, Conjuring Part 2. But this episode, we're calling Fact and Fiction in the Conjuring Universe Part VB. Yeah, Part 2 of 5. Okay. <laughs> this Conjuring has gone on way too long, I admit. I'm still trying yeah, to figure it's, out. It's, it's been fun, though. It I mean, yeah. We're, I'm also uh, writing at the moment, uh, like uh, the Valak <laughs> episode. And there's some stuff in yeah. there that, you know, about the Nun and Conjuring 2. Yes. I really. didn't really realize before I started watching oh, yeah. this. Uh, we're I'm trying to write in this episode. We, we have so much more to talk about with the Warrens and the Conjuring Universe. What's yeah, v- we got La Llorona. What's VB? La Llorona. La Llorona. What's VB? It's, five. it's part two of five. I feel you. Five. Yeah. Okay, so recently I did a road trip to Pittsburgh. I've always wanted to go there uh, because I'm a huge George Romero fan, and if you know about Romero and his films, they were all made there. Majority of them were all made there. Uh, some of his later work was made up in uh, Toronto, I think. So anyway, um, seven and a half hour drive. I uh, It was kind of hard to do, but... Uh, Went by myself. Uh, went to a, a couple of really good uh, punk rock dive bars there. There's a big punk rock scene and uh, attitude in uh, this particular neighborhood I stayed in called Polish Hill. Um, every bar there, they love their pierogies. They eat a lot of... Don't like those things. Oh, are you kidding me? Mm-mm. Oh, they're so delicious, man. Mike sent us some cool pictures from there we're looking yeah, at, Yeah, very too. disturbing. Yeah. Very so, disturbing. Uh, I'm going to get into the Romero filming locations in a bit, but I'll tell you about uh, this uh, haunted building I went to. It's I went on a tour. The place is called Haunted Hillview Manor. It's been on uh, three different shows that I know of on the Travel Channel, I think... Uh, Ghost Adventures, 
what was the other two? Destination Fear and Portals to Hell. So uh, if you like those ghost shows, check out those episodes of uh, Hillview Manor. It's at a town called Newcastle, just outside Pittsburgh. And it was a three o'clock tour. And it was just me, another guy, and the tour guide. And as soon as I got there, um, this wave of like mold and dust and rotting paint just hits you. So it smelled bad, okay? And uh, they said, normally we don't allow anyone to take pictures, but since it's just you two guys, feel free, take as many as you want. So I did. Um, It looks like an old abandoned hospital. It was a poor farm and a nursing home. So if you back, I mean, it opened in 1926 and it was abandoned in 2004. Uh, So if you lived on a poor farm, you were maybe a criminal or a, a ward of the state or the county. Uh, maybe you had, uh, you were mentally handicapped or disabled and like your family either didn't have family or your family just dumped you there. It was for poor people. And, um, you can work on the farm and then you could stay there uh, and eat there for free. But the people who ran it were, uh, bad people. Like they were abusing and, um, neglectful and, uh, there's, you know, a lot of bad things happen inside this building. A lot of death happened in this building. So there's been uh, thousands of stories of the place being haunted. So I uh, I go and do the tour. And it was only supposed to be an hour and a half. I ended up being there for two and a half because the tour guide had so much to say. And uh, this woman, uh, her name was Denise. Nice lady. But... Um, she was suffering from, uh, I think, sinusitis and bronchitis, so there was a lot of coughing. So I kind of wanted to keep my distance. But uh, is it because of the mold and everything, Mikey? No, I think she was just sick. But uh, I mean, being in that moldy building, I'm sure it didn't help her cause, you know. So uh, she knew like detailed history of this place. So it was very interesting. We went all over the building, all the different wings. And uh, different rooms and hallways. Certain hallways and rooms she would not go into because she claimed to be uh, empathic. She was very sensitive, and she was explaining to us that certain rooms and hallways she can't go down because, well, she'll get you know attacked uh, by these spirits. You know, yeah. I noticed a lot of every the hallway, uh, the whole hospital looks very decrepit. Oh, but super. there's like there's like brand new toys and stuff in there. Are yeah, people bring those in. Or yeah, because there's a where lot of those come from. There's a lot of children that lived in the building that died in the building. So, oh god, she they they allow people to bring you know toys and stuff when they're visiting. Yeah, but still, God, the children, yeah. man. Oh, the place is dis- disturbing <clears throat> looking for sure. It's very depressing looking. It it, it it even looks. You know, I don't know how to say this, Mike, but it even looks when it was nice and clean, it probably was still creepy. Oh yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of places like that because I know when I used to go visit my dad, my dad spent his last couple of years of life in uh, in the VA. Mm. You talk about a depressing and horrible smell. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, for sure. I've never yeah, been. Yeah, it's a fan very of... clinical. Oh yeah, I've never been just, a fan of hospitals. All, all, all the yelling. I'd hear and and the guys, the people talking to themselves. It was so depressing. Like that yeah. Death Cab for Cutie song. It just reeks of piss and four oh nine. You know, that's one band I am not familiar with. I've heard of them, but I've never listened to them. It's one of the most depressing songs ever. <laughs> what Sarah said. Oh, you, you, you know, Mike, you, you brought up a good point, buddy. Well, the staff of these places, 
it always seems like there's something wrong with the people that work at, at these places. Well, you would, you would think it would be like, oh, I'm here to help you. I'm a nurse. Mm-hmm. I'm a doctor. I'm gonna, you know, a, a, you know, an, an aide. And 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 you hear all kind of weird stuff about well, people. That the do people that, that ran like, it were very cruel, from what I understand. And they, ooh. it was it was like it was like a family. It was like a couple, and they were super religious. That you couldn't drink in there. Uh, you had to. They had curfews. Um, like you, they wouldn't even like let you off the property and shit. Uh, it was, yeah, it was bad. So you know, prohibition times when this was you know up and operating, uh, they're just very strict. But uh, if someone say you know would die in there by you know certain circumstances that uh, were not like natural causes of death, it, it, it would be hidden under the carpet, hush yeah, hush. Yeah, but wasn't wasn't I don't want to say rules, but wasn't the way of people back then? You were allowed to hit the children. You were allowed oh, corporal to, punishment. Sure. Yeah, you you know it seemed like the normal back then. Sure. You know, and 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 seeing all these toys in these t- 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 oh, yeah. just is so disturbing, dude. So, so disturbing. At one point, we get into uh, what used to be a cafeteria, and our tour guide starts screaming. She's going on about get away from me. Stop talking to me. Leave me alone. And me and this other guy are looking at each other like, who in the hell is she talking to? So we're like, are you okay? Like start, I would have started filming just for evidence. I'm not touching her. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not yeah. touching her. <laughs> Mike, do you, think, do you think that was an attraction thing? Or do you think there was something really wrong with this lady? Something was wrong for sure, but was she empathic? Was something trying to get at her? You think? Spiritually, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I asked her, I said, are you empathic? She said yes. And at certain rooms and hallways she can't go into and uh sometimes they they this is i mean this is gonna sound kind of woo woo but the spirits get to her and terrorize her i guess that's what lorraine warren says yeah but i mean she at the beginning of the tour she said there is nothing malevolent in this building yeah i said well you know some haunted buildings have reputations of spirit attachment like this thing could come home with you and she said, it's not common here, but it has happened to her. And, you know, she considers herself a religious woman, so she says a prayer, and uh, I guess it leaves leaves her alone. Uh, I asked one of my buddies, I said, dude, you want to tell your ghost story on the podcast? He was like, no, I don't want to reawaken it. Ah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you, know, you, know what you know what they'll do? It's, I, 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 you know, I, I, I mention this to, to use two guys a lot of times. I'll, I'll, I'll go in a garage now and smoke. This just happened. Um, it's too cold outside. You know, for me, so I go in the garage and I smoke my, smoke my cigar in there. And this just happened to me uh, last week. I was mentioning the Michael, uh, Mike. I'm sorry, Sammy. Uh, uh, last week, I was outside too long. You know, and I I didn't I didn't I was gonna call Mike about this, and I'm thinking, eh. but I was outside and I closed the side door, Mike, and it was real windy out. <clears throat> And I've got a sensor light out out on the backyard, and it and I've got it v- set to very very high sensitive mm-hmm. uh, sensitivity, and and the light to my porch, Sammy, and I close the door, okay, and you you know I could see the door opening and closing, opening and closing, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, there's no breeze inside this garage, man, so you know I didn't think nothing of it, man, I closed that door for the last time, and I'm totally, you guys don't want to believe me, that's fine. I closed that door, Mike, and it's so old because I told you it needs to be repaired. Man, somebody, something knocked on that door three times. Wow. Something knocked on that door three times. So I'm looking. It's a like, demon three it, times. It, it, it's it, a mockery to the Trinity. No, no, no. See me, see me. And Mike, so the first thing I do, the first thing I look at is is uh, where I have the light, the sensor light, is right above 
uh, the three windows I got there, right? So I'm like, okay, it can't be my wife or anybody because the sensor light would, I've got it so wide spanned out, it, it would have hit. So I, I'm like, okay, the light didn't go on. You know, it's not an animal or anything like that. But what animal do I know that knocks three times? So I open the door, nothing, nowhere, no. I, because, because Mike, Mike, I'm telling you right now, buddy, I'm telling you right now. There was no way nobody was fast enough, even as fat and slow as I am, to could have made it out of my yard in that time. And and and, and the first thing I did was I looked to my left because that's where my back porch light is. And that back porch light and the sensor lights I have on my garage were not on. Wow. So if it was a human being of of, of three feet or taller, it would have been on. It would have been on, buddy. But that, I heard three freaking knocks. And I and and I, I I didn't put too much into it. I didn't get scared. I just thought, okay, what the fuck is going on? Sal, you're going through a state of oppression. <laughs> <laughs> Before it's you stage, know it, you're going to be fully possessed. It's stage no, two. No, no, dude, Mike, Mike, I'm buddy. Was I afraid? No. Did I think about it? Hell yeah. But they were clearly, clearly tree fucking knocks. Clearly, tree fucking max. You should have heard the story you told me in the car. He's definitely possessed. Oh, dude. <laughs> I won't even tell you. I won't even. Oh, boy. Your bad. soul's going to burn in hell. There was a mess at the McDonald's. Let's yep. leave it at that. <laughs> yep. Let's leave it at that. You yep. know, you know, Sal, if you listen to this podcast, you know what happened at McDonald's. <laughs> and I'm glad it happened over there, too. Anyway, so I didn't see anything when I was there. Not really. I thought maybe something moved out of the corner of my eye, like in my peripheral vision. But when I would look, it was just like maybe you just saw like the trail end of something. So Did you I feel I, anything there? No, not at all. Didn't feel anything. Was it was it clammy, Mikey? Was it was it was it was it um, cold and clammy was, in there? It was cold. So I, was, I mean, I was there the first weekend in December. So yes, it was cold, but I had my jacket and hat on. And I do know what what you mean about that like mildewy smell, though. That's how stunk. like uh, we did the uh, like a tour of the Joliet prison, and oh, it was yeah. like that. Yeah, it was really like I mean dank. I, I mean. I, <laughs> I was a little worried of like you know asbestos and like I'm, I shouldn't be breathing this fucking mold in because that shit's a killer. Not so. to mention the chick has got bronchitis. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about some. I'm feeling something. Right. Lady, would like, spit yeah, that out? yeah, you're feeling some virus <laughs> inside of you. With all due respect, she was definitely feeling something. <laughs> She's sweating. She's trying to play it off like. I'm in the bowels of hell right now. <laughs> it's so hot. No, you have a 102 <laughs> fever. <laughs> You're delirious. <laughs> so, the, uh, what was I going to say? You guys are cracking me up. <laughs> it's worth checking out. If you're ever in the Pittsburgh area, go go do the tour. Um, they're probably going to be open again in March. So uh, Yeah, you did the Romero uh, tour yeah, too, I right? Did, I, did a my, I did my own tour. Uh there's several filming locations from all of his body of work, all his films, all over the city and the surrounding towns and suburbs. But I just really wanted to tackle like my three favorites of his night, dawn, and day. So first I went to uh, the Evans City Cemetery where they filmed Night of Living Dead back in 1967. They filmed it and everything is still there. Just like it, it was in 1968, you go up the hill... And you enter the cemetery, and there's the graves that they were filming at, the grave where Johnny hit his head, the grave that she, that Barbara hid behind. It's all still there. Uh, then I went to the Monroeville Mall, where they made Dawn of the Dead. This was a fucking treat. Like, everything, it looks different, but at the same time, it, it looks the same. When you 
compare what it looked like in 1978 when the movie came out to what it looks like now, there's still some similarities. Um, outside the mall, there's certain like doors that they filmed outside of, like entrances. Uh, that's all still there. The same, you know, like glass windows. Inside, of course, everything is modern, but uh, the J.C. Penny is still there. The ice rink is not there. It hasn't been there for years. Um, so they have a museum in there called the Living Dead Museum. It was like eight bucks for the the <laughs> tour. You do a self guided tour in Pittsburgh. It's a museum. Museum, yeah. <laughs> yeah they have still, an accent. <laughs> yeah, but I still think Mike spent the night in there because he was the only guy there. <laughs> I was the first guy there because I went as soon as they opened, like eleven thirty a.m. sharp. Yeah, that would have been me. I was there. That would have been me. He was um, brushing his teeth in the flannel <laughs> shirt that the guy was wearing in Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> There's still some blood and guts on it. Yeah, but that was awesome. Like you had that place to yourself, buddy. Yeah. That was impressive shit I mean, that you showed us. You go video. you go through it within fifteen minutes. It's a small little museum. Yeah, but you know what though? I I, I you a with, great souvenir shop. Yeah, with me oh see, you shouldn't have said that. With me, I would have I would have spent I would have made a lot more time in that man. I, I just have to look I was at there for every a while. little thing and every little spec. They, they do room. have tours every now and then. Uh like cast members from Dawn will come in and do oh seriously? Oh yeah, and the the guy at the store was saying every now and then people from Romero's movies will pop into the, um, uh, the museum every right, now and then. How cool is that? They'll, they'll bring like their grandkids and stuff, and there's autographs everywhere, all over the museum walls. Were, uh, were, were, were they selling them, Mikey? No. Well, yeah, maybe they had. They like I said, the souvenir shop had a bunch of different things. I got a T-shirt, but on the wall, like in plaques or yeah. it's not plaques, frames, they have autograph pictures. Yeah. And uh, they have a nice uh, big bust of George's head there with a plaque. And the mall celebrates its history with Dawn of the Dead. Like, mm. there, there's stuff all over the walls that's like, this was filmed here. You know, like, this is history. Halloween should be cool there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet. Well, yeah. yes, they, they do conventions there, too. Um, all, you know, uh, it's like a Romero festival they'll, they'll have there. Nice. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I went to the Wampum Mines in Wampum, Pennsylvania. This is where they filmed Day of the Dead, the underground mine. So you can go in there. They use it for cold storage. Like these big corporate entities and companies, they'll uh, save a bunch of files and whatever, they, you know, underground. I didn't go in because they were closed. But oh, See, I would have loved those. I, I, I made it to the front entrance, and that was kind of neat. Um, Pittsburgh was, was great, man. They... They have their own accent, just like how people from Chicago have their own accent. So, Pittsburghian, I guess, is uh, you know, it's, I never it, knew that. It's it's the way they sound their O's, the letter O. Ow, ow. Yeah, um, and they say jag off a lot. Yeah, just like us. And they love their Steelers. So, jag offs. Also in Chicago, we like to say jag bags. Jag He's bags. fucking jag bags. Look no. at this guy. So uh, when I do my road trips, I like to go to places that Anthony Bourdain has been to or uh, Andrew Zimmern from Bizarre Foods. So I did go to some places. I uh, went to a town called Rankin. In Rankin, there's, um, for those that don't know, Pittsburgh was a big industrial city on what they call the Rust Belt. There's a lot of abandoned industry that you know just got up and left, similar to like Detroit. So uh, this old furnace factory or whatever they did there, it's in the town of Rankin called the Cary Furnace, which is also supposed to be haunted. I just wanted to drive by it and take a picture of this giant furnace. So it's at night, 
I mean, it's dark out there. There's like hardly any lights except my headlights. <laughs> okay. I go down this road and I see that it's going to be a dead end. So I'm going down and I see like an entrance to the carry furnace and there's two guys standing there like by their cars. They almost look like security guards or people that were taking like admission money to go do the tour of the rank and furnace. So I just, I drive past them. I go down and there's the furnace, but it's at the end of like a cul-de-sac. And as soon as I, I get down to the cul-de-sac, I look over and in the prairie next to uh, the road, there's just some random guy standing there taking a piss. Okay. But he's like way away and, uh, you know, away from where that, uh, the entrance was where those two guys were. So I don't know what this guy's doing in the middle of nowhere, standing there taking a and, piss. And it was night? It was night? It was at night. night. And I, I mean, his back was turned to me. So I, I turn in the cul-de-sac like halfway. I take a picture of the furnace. I turn again. And I look for him. He's still got his dick in his hand pissing. <laughs> it's like 50 bucks. I'll pee on you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> You want to suck this dick? (laughs) (laughs) Mike's like, it took off. (laughs) Just the Mike tires peeling out on a gravel road. Forget forget the fucking ghost. Okay, that was the scary part right there. You know what would have been funnier, Sammy, is if Mike would have have waited just a few minutes longer. The guy turned around and it was John. (laughs) Mike was about to get raped like a scene in August Underground. Oh my god. Those guys are from Pittsburgh. I know. Edit, that's what I'm saying. Edit, <laughs> edit. <laughs> no, what if that was John, Mike? Hey, you, you need something there, buddy? <laughs> and he's got his little critter. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Edit that part, please. Oh, that's that's oh, an edit. That's funny. That's funny. Hey, hey Mike. There's no, no Mike, edits there. Speaking, speaking, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of uh, uh, this is way off the base, but speaking of, you said there was different, um, um, not language, uh, uh, the way we talk and everything. Accents. Say, what about what about a Yellowstone when the chick goes, I want to wear that bear. Burr. Oh, I want to wear that bear. Burr. I, but you know what, though? Until you said that, is there is there a lot of, lot of do they have a heavy accent, though? In, in, in I the can tell. Like that? I can tell. Really? Yeah. The way, the way like, uh, I don't know. Do you ever listen to like the way Bam Margera talks? Yeah. He, Fuck he, yeah. He has a Pennsylvania <laughs> accent. Yeah. But the, Fucking the, killer nor, bro. But the way they say their O's. Yeah. It's, it's it's different. So. Yeah, but Mike, I got to give you credit, buddy. You went down a cul-de-sac that was pitch black, and mm-hmm. you said the only lights were your car lights. Yeah, and you see some guy taking a whiz, dude. Yeah. I ain't going near nothing or no. I don't care if it's a little kid. Well, it's not like I wanted to like engage I, in a conversation I, I, with I them. Don't, I don't care. Dude. It was probably Bam Margera, dude. dude smoking a if cigarette. It's dark down there. If it's dark down there, ain't nobody around, and there's one shadow. See, I don't like that. I, there's it, no it, shadow. It, I saw I, a person. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. His image. Just just like in. Um, uh, it's uh, a real guy. What was that? Uh, Blair Witch. The only thing that bothered me through that whole freaking movie was the end when that guy had his back turned against the wall. That's the only part that bothered anybody in that movie. Because it just ends right there. Mike, I don't know what it is about when people turn away from you. Well, you know the story of of that, right? No. So if you watch Blair Witch again, they talk about how the the witch would make the kids turn away as she was like killing the the other ones in in the house. she, She didn't want them to watch, so they would make them face the wall. No, see that 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 that's weird. You would think a witch wouldn't give a shit and say, "Hey, watch me chop this guy's head off." You know, I mean, seriously. But that did his job, man, because that was really disturbing when that guy. You know, they that's ended the it right there. Best part of the movie, yeah. dude. 
So yeah, oh. my trip was fun. I recommend people check out Pittsburgh or just just go road trip in general. It's it's a good time. So let's get into the Enfield Poltergeist. Are you guys ready? This is gonna be a long one. And here we go. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> Yeah, the Enfield Poltergeist. Uh, like we were talking about in the last episode, uh, some of our sources for this. This house is haunted uh, by Guy Lyon Playfair. It was also uh, one of the investigators on the play, uh, case. Also, uh, one more that I read for this episode was the Enfield Poltergeist tapes by Dr. Melvin Willen. Um, he was uh, joined the SPR in 1992. Since then, he's published articles in the Journal and Paranormal Review on his two main fields of research, which are music and witchcraft. Which, yeah, this is quite a cool, like, uh, just kind of like a uh, supplementary to like this house is haunted, kind of sums up things, kind of puts a little bit of uh, uh, what do you call it? transcripts of like some of the tapes that they recorded there. Nice. And I recently heard that they like digitized a bunch of the tapes for like the uh, the Society of Psychical Research. Oh, okay. So, yeah, hopefully those become available pretty soon. Yeah. That'd be cool to listen to, through to I've, some of those. I've heard, I've, I've heard and seen the videos of uh, the girl uh, being possessed by Bill. Uh, Bill Wilkins, yeah. Bill Wilkins. We're going to get into some of the recordings today, too. Okay. There's, there's some fun stuff that happens here. Cool. So, yeah. So, uh, when we left off uh, last week, the family was on vacation, uh, Clacton on Sea, attempting to escape the pandemonium that had become their daily lives when they started hearing barking noises in the middle of the night. Uh, they played it off as one of them playing a joke on everyone else, but little did they know that this was about to kick off a whole new stage of poltergeist activity within their home and family. Remember uh, last week, everything was, uh, well, the last episode that we did on this, at least, uh, they were starting to see things at ports, things falling from the sky, mm-hmm. crazy shit. So uh, one of the uh, other things uh, we use for a source on here, uh, Poltergeist and Other Hauntings by Rupert Matthews, he says that stage five in the Poltergeist activity is communication. In some cases, communication is established through a code of knocks. This may be two knocks indicating a yes and one knock indicating a no or some other established pattern. Sometimes speech pattern is achieved. In almost all of these cases, though, there seems to be a gradual process which starts with whistles, slurps, growls, and so on. That's you, Sal. That's what happened in the garage. That's what happened in the garage. Yeah. The three knocks. I'm, I, I, I'm telling you guys, man, Mikey. You're opening Mikey, a gate, buddy. That, dude, dude, it was clearly... A knock. It was not anything brushing against my door because I don't have any bushes, trees, or 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 the fence near it. It was tree freaking knocks, man. It's probably an opossum getting ready to attack. <laughs> it was that one possum that I remember. I had, didn't I have to chase something out of your garage one time. Yeah. Sal was scared of it. He's like, "You got to go in there." He was out of my top shelf, and I'm pulling down. I had this moving blanket that his brother gave me, and I'm pulling down. Like, some bitches, some bitches have you. Sure enough, hey Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> So at first, uh, mutterings or distant voices will be heard. Next, the voice will sound uh, be robotic. Finally, witnesses claim regular speech is achieved. The poltergeist will then be able to speak as a normal person and will begin to make statements. Claims by the poltergeist about their identity are usually grand. They claim that they have been a murderer, a victim, a suicide, or even a famous person. But when the claims are checked out, they will usually be determined to be false. But according to Matthews, it's rare for a poltergeist to have knowledge of events outside of what is widely known within the community. But Matthews doesn't mention this, but uh, it's interesting that many claimed spirit contacts through a Ouija board also share the same characteristics of deceit. You know, like it'll say it's somebody else, but really it's a demon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what? I don't remember what movie I watched the other day that they started off with a Ouija board. 
Oh, it was Ouija. <laughs> no, it wasn't Ouija. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Ouija. No. Which board? Nah. Which board's good? That was one of the things they say in the book. I didn't think I, I put this anywhere in here, but like the kids in this case would be like, they play with a Luigi board. A they Luigi. thought it was. <laughs> also, uh, Janet Hodgson would call the. She would say, she never didn't know what poltergeist was. She would say, polka dice. <laughs> There's polka dices in there. Polka Mike, dice. Mike, Mike, do you have one? Polker dice. Do you have one? You of all people should have one. I a, had a poltergeist? one. Poltergeist? No. I, I told, a Luigi board. board. No, I told you my Ouija board story. Yeah. Right? No. Yes, I have. Okay, I'm he, gonna tell you. One. He gave it to the chick, and then she yeah. brought it back possessed. Right. Well, no, she. she I don't remember. She started, he beat, remember, remember, he beat her over the head with it and threw her down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I had. Okay, we're talking like '90s. I went to a garage sale and I bought like a Parker Brothers Ouija board. Okay. And maybe fooled around with it for like a few years. Fast forward to like 2010 or 11. I haven't touched it in ages. It's just sitting there on my shelf collecting dust. This girl I was dating at the time, she uh, she sees it. She's like, oh, can I play with that? I said, fuck, no, not in here. I'm like, you could take it home and keep it. <laughs> she starts playing with this thing by herself, and it's telling her all these things, all personal shit that she's never told anyone. So, like, who was ever on the other side knew her. And she's like, oh, do you want it back? I'm like, fuck, no, you Hello. keep that shit. Hello. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to be doing Ouija Mike. boards by yourself. No, right. see me. I don't she's ever, crazy. I don't ever remember Mike telling me that story. Tell I'm sorry. That I thought story. I did. Yeah, yeah, he told that before. Did he? Yeah. Oh. That's a fun one to tell. Wow, that's kind of <laughs> creepy, dude. Yeah. Hello. I don't mess with those. What, what's, what, what's with the thing? What's with the, what's with the two things, Mikey? The rules. Why can't, why can't you play with it by yourself? You're, it's, I guess it's because uh, you open yourself to being possessed and yeah, it's, then why it's opening you, a gate to the other why world. do you why do you what is it why you have to say goodbye right yeah why do you have to say goodbye to leave you alone so this like it uh so it knows to go away Ooh. it's also just common courtesy oh. <laughs> yeah, right. let it know mm. <laughs> see you later satan uh, I, I always say i'm leaving get the fuck out of here <laughs> <laughs> not today satan <laughs> sounds like uh in this case <laughs> fuck off yeah, <laughs> You see me walking away. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they just leave because he's ripping ass the whole time. <laughs> so uh, after eight days on holiday, the Hodgins returned home on November 5th, 1977, and the activity picked up almost immediately. A sofa was levitated four feet off the ground, Janet was thrown eight feet off a chair, and Margaret was frozen on the stairs in mid-stride, only able to move once Maurice helped her out of that position. That's kind of crazy, right? It yeah. is. She, they said she was like, you know, like sideways on the stairs. Like she was coming down she real was fast. Sideways? Yeah, like if she would have just been released, she would have fallen flat on her face. Jeez. So uh, the knocking also picked up immediately, and Guy Playfair took some advice from the oldest living member of the SPR, a man named Dr. E.J. Dingwall. So Dr. Dingwall said that if the ghost was rapping, then it was time to rap back. So Guy and Maurice decided to attempt communication with the poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. Beatboxing? Yeah, it's time to rap back, fool. <laughs> so Maurice... Just, just and his mother. Yeah. They got into a rap battle. Yeah. So Maurice decided to attempt communication with the poltergeist, despite warnings that things might get worse if they did. Uh, Maurice Gross decided to try communicating with it, first asking aloud if it could tell him the sum of 5 plus 5, to which he got a response of 10 knocks. Gross then said if he was uh, going to ask more questions and that the poltergeist could respond with one knock for no and two knocks for yes. So uh, this right here is a recording of that communication. Uh-oh. Knock one for no and two for yes. 
are you a male spirit? One for no and two for yes. That's two. You are a male spirit. Did you used to live in this house? You did. Was it was it more than fifty years ago? Yes. Did you did you die in this house? Did you pass on? You did pass on in this house. Now why are you here? Are you unhappy? You're not unhappy. But why are you here? Is it because you want to give us a special message? No. You don't want to give us a special message. Are you having a game with me? Oh, oh right. Oh, <laughs> as I ask the as I ask the question, are you having a game with me? It threw it threw the, the cardboard box and the pillow right at my face. Well, thank you very much. That was a very good answer. <laughs> a crock of shit. That was a re- that was a reenactment from the BBC thing that we're watching oh, right now. But the the tape was real. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I just like in in like you know one second you get both a crocky and an oh crumbs, <laughs> oh crumbs. Oh my god! That is an excellent moustache, by the way. Oh, yeah, is that Maurice? Say, yeah, Maurice Gross. Mustache? Yeah, oh he's got the he's got like a yeah like a Munchkin mustache. It's yeah. great. Oh, crumbs. So by now, the whole family, even Billy, was repeatedly seeing visions or apparitions of faces at windows, shadowy figures on the stairs, something moving just out of their direct line of sight, and hearing all kinds of inexplicable noises, from footsteps and assorted thumps to soft moans, growls, whistles, and even human speech. That's what I've said before. If I was a ghost, I would do some some sexy moans, you know? It's a sexy moan. You're like, I don't know what he's in his, he's in his vinegar strokes right now, dude. Like <laughs> your sexy moans and mine are two different things because I go, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> So Billy, who normally took very little notice of any of the activity, screamed and yelled for a good half hour one day after telling his mother that he had seen a face by the wall staring at him. It was the same old man with big white teeth that Peggy said she'd seen before. So you know what this reminded me of is the guy from Hereditary. Just oh, standing there. Dude, come on. All naked, just Damn smiling me, at that, you. That bothers me, dude. Dude. Peggy left a notepad and pencil out in the kitchen and asked out loud to be left a message. Five minutes later, she found a small scrap of paper on top of the fridge on which was written, I will stay in this house. Do not read. Ooh, Sammy, if I read this, will it, will it affect me in any way? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I will stay in this house. Do not read this to anyone else or I will retaliate. So this note was not from the notepad, but from Janet's school workbook, although Janet was not around. This almost immediately after, uh, Peggy found a note on the living room table that read, Can I have a tea bag? <laughs> Obliging, she placed the tea bag next to the note and came back a couple minutes later to find another tea bag crumpled and torn next to the first one. When Peggy's ex-husband showed up to pay his child support, uh, he asked if the activity was still ongoing. 
Peggy showed him the notes and then said out loud, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't remember the last part of your message. I apologize. No misunderstanding meant. As Mrs. H uh, Mr. Hodgson left, another piece of paper appeared on the table saying, A misunderstanding. Don't do it again. I know who that was. So although everyone was sure that this wasn't Janet playing tricks, it was again written on her school notebook paper and the handwriting was very similar to hers. So what do you think? Is Janet fucking around here? Are they? Is she fucking about, as they say? <laughs> Are you having a laugh? Yeah, you having a laugh? You taking the piss, taking mate? Taking the piss out. <laughs> is that more an Australian thing, taking the piss? No, it's British. <laughs> it's British? Yeah. <laughs> you taking the piss, mate? <laughs> so Janet was starting to be thrown from her bed nightly, sometimes up to seven or eight times a night. She said it always felt like ice-cold hands were pulling her out of bed. And when guys switched rooms with her, Janet began crying and moaning in her sleep. Same with Margaret, and it was thought they were having a shared nightmare. This is where they got all the pictures from that are famous for this case of, like, right. they say these are levitations, you know? Mm -hmm. So Peggy Hodgson was nearing total exhaustion, so the girls were sent away to a council care home run by nuns for about four days while Peggy rested at her brother, John Berkham's house. During their time in the council home, Janet and Margaret said that a cupboard shook, a wardrobe fell over, and their covers were pulled from their beds at night. While the family was away, the next-door neighbors, the Nottinghams, heard loud banging and knocks coming from the Hodgson home, despite there being no one in the house. On the evening of uh, Saturday, November 26, 1977, the children came back from the council house, with uh, Margaret and Billy staying overnight at the Burkhams. Guy was there talking to them when Peggy burst through the door in a panic, telling Guy that Janet was having an outburst. As he left the Burkhams, six houses away, he could hear Janet screaming from down the street. Um, he arrived to find Janet, uh, Maurice Gross, and Graham Morris disheveled like they were just in a boxing match. In fact, Janet had punched Maurice good and hard a couple of times in the face, <laughs> and Maurice was holding Janet's arms while Graham had a hold of Janet's legs. She's uh, a scrapper. Yeah, she was writhing about on the bed with her face twisted into a mask of diabolical ugliness. Uh, well, between screaming bloody murder and attempts to bite Maurice's arms, she whimpered like a little girl half her age. A uh, decision was made to call a doctor, and after 30 minutes of Maurice, Graham, and Guy wrestling with Janet, the doctor showed up and administered an injection of 10 milligrams of Valium at 11 p.m. And uh, 10 milligrams, by the way, is a pretty high dose of Valium, even for people used to the drug, and Janet was knocked out quick. So the doctor also noted that she was aggressive with violent tendencies, non-communicative, and gave her a diagnosis of possible schizophrenia. That's pretty fucked up that she was biting at him and shit, I think, you know? Yeah. Sal loves it when the kids punch adults in the oh, face. Oh, I stuff. think it's so funny, man. I think it's so But a lot of but 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 like yeah. with the schizophrenia and a lot a lot of a lot of the doctors even now say that uh that's where you know people had that inner strength thing going. That's why they're so strong. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's kind of an schizophrenia? easy schizophrenia. Well, I'm talking about any mental illness. You you have that strength. But but that kind of answers a lot of questions, don't you think, Sammy? Even if you're a little kid? I mean, I I, I mean, I dude, know. I've I've seen I've seen like like uh, you know, like my wife will watch like channels where they're just having babies or the little trying to hold the kids down to give them shots. And those kids are strong, man. 
Oh, adrenaline. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Then, yeah, adrenaline. Thank you, Mike. Adrenaline? I, I mean, dude. Do you remember that little kid when he hit Santa in Santa Night, Deadly Night? Oh, oh that God. was great. He decked him. It's oh, like the most savage God. punch. <laughs> well, bam. I, 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 I don't know. I think one of the funniest Because he followed through on that, too. He cold cocked him. <laughs> he followed through. <laughs> the greatest was when... Remember the movie Mikey? When she slapped him. <laughs> yeah, that little kid was aiming There's... for the back of Santa's head. <laughs> <laughs> Punched through his head. Yeah. What is it about little kids doing that that cracked me up? Oh, <laughs> so about uh, forty-five minutes later, there was a loud crash from Janet's room, and when everyone went back in to check on her, they found her on top of the radio set in the corner, kneeling with her head flapped forward like a rabbit. Uh, Graham Morris took a picture of her, and they gently took her down and put her back to sleep in bed as she whimpered softly. What, what what would you do, Sammy, if you seen? Like, Does she kid, have yeah. like the Bay City Rollers on her? Yeah, on her? <laughs> yeah, that's a Bay City Rollers. Yeah, S A T U Y T A Y. Fucking love that song. Love it. I love the Bay City Rollers, dude. Yeah, she's got a ton of stuff on it, like cool posters on her walls. Were they from Canada? Uh, I thought they yeah. were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sammy, what, what would you do if you you seen a little kid all bent up like that? Just keep sleeping. I'd get the fuck out of there. I don't care how little that kid is. I'm the fuck. If I see a little kid going, eh, you know, and throwing up some stuff and, and his body folding up some other way, guess what? Mommy, get his parents. You're going to call your mommy? Get no, his parents. Why should I have to deal with a scrambled kid? I'd probably stick around. I'd check out what's going on. I told Mikey, yeah. I told Mikey before you, if I seen like shape shifting, I'd have to take a picture of that. But <laughs> if I see a kid bending and you hear that, you know where they you got shape the shifters. bones cracking. Huh. You know where they got shape shifters. Huh. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Yeah, I want to go someday. That's what they say. Are you, are you seriously, Mike? I would love to go. Got a lot of weird shit going on. Yeah. Skinwalker UFOs, Ranch, Bigfoot, ghosts. I mean, yeah, that place is wild. All types of cryptids. I'm sorry, where is it at? Utah. Utah. Huh? Mm. I don't know. You think it is, still is what it was? It used to have a big reputation, but I don't know about it anymore. It's they changed still, hands a couple times. Pretty sure they still do tours. Yeah. Or you could stay there, dude. That's fucked up, dude. Crazy. So uh, the following night, it all happened again. Although Janet's fit lasted two hours and 40 minutes, she was yeah. less violent and easier to control. Janet was screaming less and crying more, calling insistently for her mummy, uh, pronouncing it like mamai, rhyming it with sky. Uh, Peggy said that Janet always called her mum and never mummy. Janet then got out of bed and began to wander around with her arms outstretched and eyes tightly shut. Guy forced one of them open and shone a flashlight into it, but she had no reaction to it, meaning that's like she was out cold. You know what I'm saying? Suddenly, Janet screamed out, Where's Gooba? He'll kill you! <laughs> she calmed down and went to sleep, but was thrown out of bed a bunch of times that night, so much so that they called a doctor who prescribed her Ativan. Goober. And it was weird she called it, yeah, Goober, because remember in the last episode we were talking about the, this is the case where uh, Dan Aykroyd got Gozer from? Uh -huh. That's what the original uh, medium in the Goober. case that was brought in said, is there was a there was a spirit called Gozer there. Oh, yeah, but look at the little brother's face. Goober. Yeah, sometimes in the background of some of the pictures, people just look like, for fuck's sake, can I get a good night's rest for once, mate? Oh, yeah, but look at the toothuses on that girl. Man, yeah, she got she some is, big teeth. Hey, you, are, you could open it is a England. can of uh, fucking peas with that thing. It is England. Uh, well. <laughs> they Come have on. one toothbrush for the household. Don't you, <laughs> don't you remember the Simpsons episode? The, 
where the dentist pulls out the big book of British smiles. <laughs> no, that's why I like Austin Powers with his oh, teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Basil. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> well, the following morning after that, Janet had another violent outburst and was taken by ambulance to a hospital. The doctor said Janet was normal and released her, but the moment she got home, she went into another violent fit. Petty gave her the Ativan, and Janet fell asleep into a deep sleep. And when Maurice arrived later that night, he heard a thud on the floor of Janet's room and went to investigate. He found Margaret and Billy sleeping peacefully, but Janet had seemingly disappeared. Maurice found her wedged under the bed, unconscious and limp, and had a hard time getting her out from underneath. The same thing happened five minutes later, and after that, Janet was thrown from her bed into the corner of the room, about 14 feet, with the mattress being thrown on top of her as well. So this is starting to be like an angry poltergeist, you know what I'm saying? Damn. In the following days, Guy Playfair had asked a pair of Brazilian spiritualists to examine and help Janet. They performed a half-exorcism, half-energy-cleansing ritual, and one of them, a woman named Elsie, concluded that as a child in the Middle Ages, Janet, in another lifetime, was a cruel and wanton woman who caused suffering to families. And some of these people had seemed to come back to get even with her and the family. Before the Brazilians left, they informed the family that Janet was an unconscious medium and should be trained in how to control it. Then, Janet slept peacefully for 13 hours for the first time that week. Well, since they were Brazilian, they also taught her a capoeira. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's the dancing one's like. <laughs> like it, uh, it sounds like she's like becoming a Jedi right here. They're like, <laughs> you need to send her to the bog planet or whatever the fuck that thing is with. You know? Dagobah. <laughs> you will learn from Yoda. <laughs> So when Janet awoke, she began to draw while still not fully conscious. Taking a pad of paper and felt-tip pens, she drew nine drawings at great speed, giving the impression that she was not fully aware of what she was drawing. They were all on the theme of blood, knives, and death, one just consisting of the word blood written several times over and over and on the page. Uh, the only one of any significance was of a woman with blood pouring out of her throat and the name Watson written in large letters at the bottom of the page. The blood was slashed onto the paper in red ink. When Peggy Hodgson gave the drawings to Maurice, he asked if the name Watson had any significance to her, and Peggy told him that Watson was the name of the couple that owned the house before them. So Mr. Watson had died in the house, while Mrs. Watson had died um, just after they moved in on a flat up the road from a tumor in her throat, just like Janet had drawn. So that was fucking crazy, right? And by the way, these uh these spiritual these the, the Brazilian spiritualists were also like trained in this, you know, they were like that was their specialty was doing these unconscious drawings, but they'd never ever brought it up in, in the infill so house. So these these are these are real drawings, Sammy? Yeah, yeah. From a little kid? Yeah. I'm gonna be They're pretty my, fucked up, right? I'm gonna be way nicer to my grandchildren now. <laughs> Especially the one with the woman with the knife coming Ooh, out of her throat. Mikey, Mikey, what would you do if you seen a little little kid like 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 a four-year-old? No, 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 not a four-year-old. Like a six-year-old draw something like that. What would you do, dude? I'd say, if that's great. <laughs> We're going to put it on the refrigerator so everybody can see. Good job. I'm proud of you. And then when you go to sleep, you lock the door <laughs> with like four no, deadbolts. No. Mike wakes up. Mike wakes up. He's got gaff tape on. <laughs> <laughs> <Like> Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> So uh, we're getting into the... it up under Richard. <laughs> <He's> so stupid. <laughs> Frame it up, sell them, sell them on eBay. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> so right now we're getting into stage six, which is the climax of poltergeist activity, Ugh. where everything will suddenly increase to a point it had never reached before. This may last several hours or several days. If the poltergeist can talk, it may state that it's going to be leaving soon. Unlike previous claims, however, this will generally turn out to be true. So in December of 1977, the Enfield case reached its climax. The first three months had been looked at as a warming up period, and a lot of those types of incidents still occurred, like the heavy iron gate of the fireplace. Remember, that flew off and almost hit Billy in the head? <laughs> well, uh, a heavy refrigerator door lurched out from the wall with the door shooting open so hard that the door was dented on the stove. Uh, beds turned over, frames and all, the toilet tank flushed by itself. Coins would drop from the ceiling as if materializing out of thin air, and spoons began to bend. When the girls weren't being thrown out of bed, the beds shook violently, and sheets and blankets and pillows were ripped from their bodies and underneath their heads. Uh, they also claimed that they were being pinched, slapped, or stuck with needles. Fucked up. Mm -hmm. On uh, December 2nd, Janet figured out that she would go say hey to Peggy next door. When she knocked on her front door, it opened. Janet called out to see if anyone was home and not getting a response. She went inside to look behind the door, and it slammed shut on her. So she panicked, opened the door, and ran home. But when she entered the house, she was lifted halfway up the stairs and dropped, rolling back down the stairs. <laughs> okay, okay, uh-uh. There you uh -uh. go. Uh-uh. Four days later, Brenda Burcombe went to <clears throat> visit the Hodgsons. She knocked on the door, but there was no reply, so she knocked again. The curtain of the living room window was pulled back, and she noticed Maurice Gross standing there staring at her. Then, through the uh, glass panel of the door, she clearly saw Gross walk halfway up the stairs, turn, look at her again, and then ascend the rest of the staircase. Totally bewildered as to why he should refuse to let her in, she knocked a third time loudly. When Peggy Hodgson finally came to the door, Brenda asked what was up with Maurice not answering the door for her, and Peggy told her that Maurice wasn't in the house. That one, those kind of stories like really creep me yeah, out. It's like those yeah. doppelganger stories. Yeah, that, that's, oh, dude. So um, there were multiple other witnesses, the doppelgangers, including people who saw Janet when she wasn't around and another that saw Maurice. But uh, this doppelganger Maurice had a gnarly scar on his face. They said like a pirate or something crazy. It's like gangster Maurice. You know what, Sammy? <laughs> you know, it's so normal for us to 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 see this and hear this and watch this but back then like in the early 70s nobody talked about there was no you know tons of tons and tons of movies or or cable that has all these yeah. movies on it and when you see this shit dude no one talked about doppelgangers dude, like that was yeah. some shit back in the 70s you had to go to you know uh you know the society for psychic research a, and look but, up in a book but that's why i always ask mike it's like dude i mean you know where do these people get this shit from man it's crazy mm-hmm well, the word doppelganger, I think, is German. Yeah, it means like uh, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, you know, speaking of it, I don't know what made me think of this. Sammy, did you or Mike watch that movie? Uh, is it is it Devil Please Leave Me Alone or something like that? It, it was Devil about, May Pray. The, the, it was it was about the new one. It was it was about yeah. It was about the the nun that was a, the first dem demonic. Um, yeah, the new uh, one. What, what, what's that called, Mike? What's it? What's the name? Exorcist. Of the movie? Uh, something pray, pray yeah. for the devil. So, something, something like that. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you see it, Sammy? Not yet. No. She, she, it, now that's a true story, right, Mike? Oh, that, I don't that, know. That, well, well, supposedly, supposedly, 
uh, they went to they went to the uh, the you know as high as you can go in the holy you know the holy church and all that. The Vatican. The Vatican. Yes, they she they took her to the Vatican, and supposedly uh, she knew a lot about uh, the demonic uh, world and and how things go and exorcisms and blah 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 blah. So supposedly she got pregnant when she was real young, got rid of the baby, blah 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 blah, and she decided to be a nun. So uh, the movie wasn't that good, but but it had, it had. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did she turn out to be possessed herself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so you know, but but they had some they had some good scenes, but but I never you know what I didn't even think about that. But they said there was never ever supposed to be a nun allowed to to do a uh, um, in the Catholic Church in the Catholic Church perform an exorcism. Yeah, right. They were not study allowed. It. They were not allowed. They to. couldn't even study it. Yeah, they couldn't even study it. So so uh, this one priest seen a lot in her that she had you know she had something about her a very trusting kind of thing about her and how to deal with the exorcisms so they, they gave her a, they gave her a shot at it and it, it, it was it wasn't a bad movie but it was it was a movie like i wouldn't be bragging about it to you and mike but, I, but it, I, it was I funny it. i did i remember reading one of these books where they made it a point to say that it's uh, being a, an exorcist like is more about uh, like emotion and feeling and like yeah. uh like they don't usually have smart exorcists yeah. <laughs> they're like it made the book made it a point to say like yeah normally exorcists aren't very like you know uh <laughs> intellectual guys see, or something see, like that. I, I get i get so lost in some of this stuff like i was going to talk to mike cuz mike's such a exorcist um uh, you know, expert like 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 when they like no, when they, like when they went to the priest mike and they said uh, we can't we can't say she's possessed because I didn't use holy water, mm. but but what kills me, they at that point she had the, the like face all scarred up, the room was spinning. Dude, are you kidding me? Just because it reacted that it was holy water and it really wasn't, that's what you're gonna go off of? <laughs> I didn't get that. I didn't. Well, I didn't in, get that, Mike. In the, in, I didn't get in that. The film The Exorcist. He tells Reagan that it's. Holy water. Holy water, yes. And then she starts flipping out. Oh, it burns, and it was just regular tap. So that's what happens in uh, this book I was reading uh, for like next week's episode with uh, Maurice Terrio, <laughs> the guy that is uh, you know the in the nun and everything. Oh. Uh, you know, uh, there it's in the Conjuring too. Like he touches Lorraine and she goes, she freaks out. All oh, right. And then when they're doing the lecture, yeah, they show that okay, book, yeah. 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 That happens to that guy too. They throw regular water on him and he freaks out like it's holy water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but again, I, I, I'm sorry, Mike. Wasn't there other shit that was so unexplainable to Reagan that, dude, she's definitely possessed. I mean, what didn't she speak the 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 language or, or the um backwards. Latin language backwards. before that backwards? I mean, dude, you, if some little kid does that stuff, hey, pff, I'm the hell out of there. Who knows? I don't care if it's holy water or not. <laughs> She's well, listening to too much Ozzy and Judas Priest. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Subliminal messages, right? Well, uh, the doppelganger activity is definitely poltergeist activity, as sometimes poltergeists manifest physically, sometimes smoky or misty, sometimes in human form, or sometimes appearing very strange, such as an animal form. So uh, shortly after Janet's last brief trance, the day after the Brazilians' visit, she and Margaret began to have a series of what, like, shared dreams they would call out loudly to each other while both were apparently asleep. And during one such episode, Margaret became agitated, bouncing violently up and down in her bed. She screamed out, 
Go away, you ten little naughty things. <laughs> running about destroying people's things. <laughs> so when she awoke, Maurice and John Burkham asked Margaret who the ten things were, to which she told them, Number one is a baby. Number two is a little girl. Number three is a big girl. Four is a very young girl, about 15. Five is a very old lady. Six is a young boy. Seven is getting on to about 18. Eight is an old man. Number nine, I don't know what he is. He hasn't got a face. And number 10, number 10 is going away. <laughs> so it was all good until number nine, I guess, when, the one without a face. <laughs> so then she suddenly exclaimed, Frank Watson! <laughs> At this time, Margaret hadn't known about Janet's uh, Watson drawing. They asked who Frank Watson was, and Margaret told them that he was, quote, the man who died in the chair downstairs. <laughs> it was still months from them finding out that Frank Watson had, in fact, died right where Margaret said, by the way. But by now, they had proven that they could gleam information from the entity. Guy Playfair decided to hypnotize Janet to see if he could get more information. To perform the hypnosis, they brought in a senior member of the SPR named Dr. Ian Fletcher, who was a surgeon, as well as the member of the Magic Circle, uh, which is an organization dedicated to the advancement of illusory magic, like sleight-of-hand tricks. So on, uh, that's that's weird that a certain like a you know a fucking brain surgeon would also be a member of the magic circle yeah, of course and the SPR <laughs> yeah that's kind of disturbing. So on December eighth under hypnosis, Janet was asked if she uh, knew who was causing all the trouble. To which she replied, "Me and my sister." <laughs> and the bunkers like to cite this as evidence for fakery, but this was not a confession. Janet conveyed that she believed that the atmosphere in the family was partly somehow responsible for the activity due to, quote, an increase in unhappiness. <laughs> That's the most depressing line. That's like a Willy Wonka line. Yeah. <laughs> an increase in unhappiness. Willy Wonka. <laughs> it's driving me mad. So on December 10th, Maurice and Guy were joined by two psychologists from the SPR, Dr. John Beloff, head of the Edinburgh University Psychology Department and Anita Gregory from the North London Polytechnic. And uh, Anita Gregory is also in The Conjuring 2. You can see her. She's uh, played by uh, Franca Potente, I believe is her name. She was also in like uh, the Bourne series. Mm. You know, she was uh, Jason Bourne's woman. Oh. So throughout the early evening, they heard loud whistling and barking noises that had been coming from Janet's general direction for the last couple days. The whistles were loud and piercing and seemed to imitate the way Vic Nottingham always greeted his wife when he came home from work. The whistles also seemed to come from behind Janet. It was like he's doing that, like, you know. It was the wind coming through those guys' toothuses. Yeah, man. Vic, Na things. Vic Nottingham has Holy some big crap. old teeth, dude. <laughs> man, Samson could go between. They look like they look like picket fences, dude. That's just wrong. <laughs> oh man, that bothers me. Every night when I come home, I'll say, "Peggy, <laughs> come here, give me a little." Dude, he could he could floss his teeth with toilet paper. Look at the gaps. <laughs> Holy crap! I wouldn't want that guy whistling at me. Yeah, dude, oh, same <laughs> with Janet. Yeah. So look at his yeah, so that's what they're saying here is Janet vehemently denied making the whistling noises, and Peggy assured everyone that she had never heard Janet whistle before. Moreover, she Janet had large teeth and usually wore a brace, which made it almost impossible for her to whistle. Say, Sammy, sure, sure. 
sarsaparilla. Say, where's Mike? Where's Mike? Seashores, Like from Family Guy. Come in here, not recognize much. They're throwing off on Herbert. You want some popsicles? I got some popsicles. Could you see her going? Could you fat ass back here? Could you see her going to see some beavers building a dam? Hey, you're doing that wrong. Dude, look at those toofuses. Holy crap. Uh, well, Janet also uh, denied making the barking noises, the same ones that they first heard on vacation. And shortly after midnight, Maurice challenged the poltergeist, which they had nicknamed Charlie, to say his name or Dr. Belloff's. Take a listen here. Let me hear you say my name. Come on. Let me hear you say my name. So that was like the first words that the the voice ever started to you know utter on recordings here. Dude, that that's just wrong, Sammy. <laughs> so further questioning revealed the name Joe Watson as the one who they were speaking with, and Maurice and Guy tried explaining to Joe that he was dead and he needed to move on, and that they were there to help him do that. And the voice responded with "Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> So the next day, Anita Gregory and Dr. Beloff wrote a letter to Maurice informing him that, in their opinion, the girls were most likely faking everything. But Guy Playfair found a book in the SPR library, T.K. Osterreich's huge volume Possession, Demiacal, and Other, that covered the transforming of the female voice into a masculine growl. So Osterreich mentioned several examples of vocal transformation that had been well-witnessed at the time, such as by Justinius Kerner, a German doctor of the 19th century, that described how a girl of 11 suddenly began to speak in a, quote, deep bass voice. There was also the pioneer French psychologist Pierre, Pierre Janet. Uh, there's another Janet name for you, uh, who mentioned, quote, the sound of masculine, now that of a feminine voice, issuing from the mouth of a possessed woman. A writer named Eisenbach reported that a supposed demon, quote, spoke today in a voice resembling more than ever a man's bass. But best of all was another case described by Kerner about an eight-year-old girl that convulsed for seven weeks before speaking in a deep man's voice through a contorted face, often trying to beat her father, mother, and the onlookers between insulting them, which was not at all in accordance with her character. And, of course, there was also the famous case of the Bell Witch. Mike, yeah. you're familiar with this one, right? I would love to go down there and see that. Yeah, there was a lot of funny, like, voices talking in this case like that. You know, they would throw yes. shit at a guy and be like, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the most well-known uh, cases of, like, poltergeists. Yeah. Was the Bell Witch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
only poltergeist case that apparently killed a man. That's right. Bell. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so soon, the same sounding voice started calling itself Bill, saying that he had lived and was still living in the house. He was 60 years old and had a dog called Goober the Ghost among his 68 other dogs. As for why he had dogs, why don't we let Bill explain that? Did any friends go with you? Yes, told them. dog, 68 dogs. And what do you got 68 dogs for? So that they can protect me from you killing me. They can bite you right How can we kill you, Bill? You can shoot me off. Now how do we how can we shoot you if we can't see you, Bill? Fuck me to God. Sorry, I didn't hear that, Bill. By praying to God. By praying to God. So, what you're saying is we could get rid of you by praying to God. Yes. So this voice is supposed to be coming out of Janet, right? Yes, an 11-year-old girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, they said it would come from Margaret, but not often. Yeah, it was all mostly coming from Janet. Mm. And that was fucking weird right there, right? It was saying that it was uh, he had dogs to get to protect him from being killed by us. That's right. not right, dude. Yeah, praying. That's not right. I yeah. mean, even the story is just fucking so brutal. Yeah, kind of dark. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, well, Bill said that he shakes Janet's bed and throws her out of it because he wants to sleep there, and Janet had to get out. Uh, this does fall in line with the claims that Peggy and Janet saw covers moving and indentations of someone lying on the bed on multiple occasions. Uh, in one session, John Burkholm undertook some questioning and received the information that Bill was, quote, on top of Janet and invisible because he was a G-O-S-T <laughs> and that he was in the nude and he was able to, he was in the house to see his wife. He also, uh, I mean, yeah, give a listen to the, the recording from that session. This is weird. <laughs> Can you tell me where you are at the moment in the room? On top of Janet. Why do you sleep on top of Janet? It's my bed. Why can't Janet fill you? I'm invisible. Why are you invisible? So much you hang out what do you think about that? Does that sound like a kind of a childish thing or kind of a, you know, a, you yeah, know, a, um, a lot um, of it does. Yeah. A lot of it does. It's, it's, it's so hard to believe in this because it just comes off as i mean back, it's it's definitely creepy coming yeah, from it you know but. back then it was i'd say more believable because of technology yeah hmm. now that we have more technology now it's just like you look at this like it's lame and like everything could be doctored and it's fake but uh <laughs> there's no real no way of knowing who knows but the girls and Bill would also sing songs like Daisy, Daisy. Uh, multiple times, Janet would sing, and then Bill would pick up the next line, then back to Janet's voice. But in between, there would be laughter that sounded like Margaret, Janet, and Bill's voices all at once, or Janet speaking simultaneously in different octaves. Here's a clip of the voice singing, Row, Row, Row Your Boat. Row, row, row the boat, Jet me down the stream. It sings what it and then the it goes, now fuck off. Fuck? <laughs> Dude. So they also got this recording that night. Rob, that's good. Come on out. Shut up, 
guy's voice i'm sorry this guy's voice is it is creepy to it, hear it, yeah we're that gonna, one was a little a little hard to like um understand there but basically like the gist of what he was saying is like that he comes from durant's park graveyard he's 72 years old and he has friends with him that he brought from the graveyard to his house to the house to see his family but because his family wasn't there he wanted everyone else that lived there now to get out i was gonna <laughs> say you know some of the most like disturbing scary audio recordings i've ever heard uh, and you can hear them on YouTube. Um, you guys have all seen, uh, uh, what's it called? Emily Rose? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the real case. Annalise Michelle. Right. It was German girl. And uh, the audio recordings of like her exorcisms and this and that are on YouTube. That is some scary sounding shit. Yeah, yeah. The voice is really creepy. I, I, yeah. I got to check that out. I, I never heard oh, it. Oh, man. The, the, the sounds that are coming out of her, freaky. Yeah, just like otherworldly, kind of like this, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but more. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> make your hair she's, stand up. She's saying that she's Hitler and stuff. She's oh, Beelzebub. She's like, she's like, really? Yeah, she, she's claiming to be Nero. And, yeah, Nero. And all these people. All right, but once again, uh, just when they thought they were getting somewhere, the spell was broken, and Bill interrupted the next question with an angry outburst. He said, "You fucking old bitch, shut up! I want some jazz music. Now go get me some jazz music, or else I'll go bar me." Bar me? <laughs> bar me? Yeah. I don't know what bar me. Bar me. I don't know, but whoever this guy is, he's gonna flip the fuck out, dude. Bill Wilkins. That guy's almost yeah. as bad as that ugly guy from Poltergeist. <laughs> You're gonna die in that. No, oh, Mikey does God. it better. Do it, Mikey. You're all gonna die in that. <laughs> Let me in. You should be. You should be that guy for Halloween. I think. <laughs> Dude, that guy. That guy was creepy looking. I don't. Come I can't tell me, if it Caroline, was like. Come to me. Is it because it looks like he doesn't have lips? I know. <laughs> it's just that he's so old yeah. and just creepy. He looks like he was swallowing a bard. Dude. Yeah, he, well, he did have cancer when they did that, but uh. I know. But damn. <laughs> so uh, when they asked Bill why he hadn't moved on to the next plane of existence without the other spirits in the uh, with the other spirits in the graveyard, he gave them the most metal answer ever. I am not a heaven man. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> that's from The Conjuring Two, but apparently they did get that on tape. I couldn't find it anywhere though. Hmm. So Maurice's son, Richard Gross, had shared his father's open-minded approach to physical phenomenon, but he never experienced anything until his sister Janet's death, and though those experiences made a profound expression on him, he still uh, took a detached view of his father's work in Enfield, telling Maurice that he'd visit the house when the ghost could talk to him. So on September 13th, I'm sorry, on December 13th, Maurice took him at his word and arranged for a visit. Richard was a lawyer, and they all uh, kept jo- during the BBC documentary, or I'm sorry, one of these other documentaries I saw. They all keep joking around. They're like, "It's the first time a poltergeist was ever uh, submitted to cross examination by a lawyer." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Put him by the stand. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> okay. 
So the so the voice started up again as soon as the girls were in bed, but refused to speak until Richard. They refused to speak to Richard until he left the room and shut the door. So let's hear Richard talk about meeting Janet. I'm standing outside of the room. I desperately want to see inside the room. I want to see what's happening with Janet. I want to see if her mouth is moving, what her face looks like. I thought I will look through the crack in the door. And just at that very moment, it said to me, I like I like how he reacts to it. I wasn't looking through it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I hear that, Sammy. I'm the fuck Shut out of the there. fucking door. <laughs> Damn. So Richard was outside the room while John and Brenda Burkholm were inside relaying the questions and answers. The voice claimed to be Bill and jumped from one subject to another using a great deal of bad language. But after an hour of bullshit, Richard grew frustrated and told Brenda and John to ask something that only the voice could know. And they asked, what have you done with Brenda's 30 pence? Because Brenda had lost some money previously and had been unable to find it, Bill replied, hit it under the radio downstairs. And that's exactly where they found it when they went down to look. So uh, Richard then persuaded the voice to let him enter the room on the condition that he would face the corner of the room. And the few times that he did try turning around, or even when he thought about turning around, the voice would stop. In fact, the timing was so precise that he felt like someone was reading his mind. And this part of the uh, this is part of the exchange that Richard had with Bill after that. I want you to tell me whether you remember what happened to you when you died, just before you died, and just after you died. That's not right, dude. That's not right at all. Hard to believe that's coming out of an 11 year old girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The octaves, you know? So that was uh, later on. They found, uh, they did track this guy down. Well, actually, I think uh, this guy came forward as uh, was William uh, Wilkins' son. His name was Terry. And he did come forward and say, yeah, there was actually a, you know, my father died in the house like that. He, you know, he died when my father, I mean, he said he, uh, his mother went to the store. And when she came back, his father was dead from a hemorrhage like that. Oh, boy. Fucking crazy. So Bill also had a strong disdain for religion, becoming abusive or uncommunicative whenever the subject was brought up, whereas Janet, who the voice was coming from, was very inquisitive about the grossest faith, which was Jewish. So on December 14th, Janet got her first period. There's no other way to say oh. that. And the uh, the voice suddenly wanted to know, why do girls have periods? <laughs> and refused to talk about anything but... So, Hugh Pincott, an executive in a well-known oil company with a science degree, who was there as a member of the SPR investigating, explained the entire process as Janet slash Joe listened on intently. This is, again, like another hilarious thing to me is like that a well-known oil company executive would be explaining this to a girl that's apparently possessed. You know what I'm saying? Why, Why was that guy even there? He was exa- he was a member of the SPR, you know. Who the, I mean, fucking who else did they yeah, let who, into this club? You know? this Everybody's in the SPR. If you're a well known, you know, a well respected member of society, then into you're in science, it. you're in this fucking 
crazy group. Weird, weird, weird. <laughs> so a different member of the SPR named David Robertson was also there and told Maurice that he needed to challenge the voice since this was so sketchy, a discarnate old spirit wanting to know about periods. Uh, Maurice then told the voice that he was beginning to doubt if Bill or Joel or whatever it was uh, that called itself Bill was real at all and that Bill or Joel was just a fragmented part of Janet's consciousness and the voice responded with, Fuck off. Of course I'm not. Again, it's just very gruff. and (laughs) Like Mike said, though, coming out of that little girl, man. So with that, they asked the voice to make a solid object pass through another solid object, handing Janet a pair of slippers and a small ball. They left the room, and Janet told them the slippers disappeared, although they later found them between the mattress and the bed frame. So make of that what you will, I guess. But uh, they then asked the entity to throw a pillow out of the room, And they didn't see it happen just then, but when they were leaving, they found that the same pillow was in the garden outside uh, below Janet's window, which didn't open. It was like sealed shut, you know? So on the morning of December 15th, researcher David Robertson wanted to experiment on the levitations that were occurring. He gave Janet a red pen and asked her to draw a circle around the light on the ceiling that would have been impossible for her to get to without loudly dragging furniture around the room to stand on. After leaving the room and closing the door, he heard Janet say calmly... I'm levitating. When he tried to get back into the room, the door wouldn't budge. So after a minute, it basically opened on its own and Janet was lying on the bed exhausted. So then she told Peggy next door that she uh, not only had she levitated, but that she had been through the wall and gone into Peggy's bedroom next door. When Peggy went next door to her house, she found Janet's book, Fun and Games for Children, on the floor by her bed even though she was sure that she had just seen it on the mantelpiece in Janet's room prior to the levitation incident. David then decided to test the entity's matter transfer abilities, getting one of the large and heavy red plastic cushions from one of the armchairs in the living room and asking for it to be passed through something solid like the wall. The voice responded with, All right, David boy, I'll make it disappear. So like the levitation, David walked out of the room, there was a commotion, and then he was allowed to re-enter after a couple minutes, but the red cushion was gone. A local tradesman, which is what they call him, this guy was just a, he was a baker making his deliveries, his name was John Rainbow, and he was walking on the street, he said he was looking in the general direction of the house when the red cushion just suddenly appeared on the edge of the roof. Um, a crossing guard named Hazel Short, who this lady looks like every Pixar librarian, right? She got the big giant glasses, the hair, you know, like that, the curly hair, short. <laughs> so uh, her and her friend were across the street, also witnessed the cushion appearing. What got their attention was the sound of books banging against Janet's bedroom window. They said that they saw Janet through the window, bouncing up and down on her back horizontally, about two feet above her bed, as if someone was lifting her from her legs and her back. So Johnny Rainbows then said that not only was Janet levitating, but he also saw books, dolls, and clothes flying around the room in a circle. What was that? That was me. Bill Wilkins. Bill Wilkins. So when Janet was pressed on what occurred, she said that when it came to the pillow, once David had left the room after instructing her to do something with the pillow, she had a strange impulse to hurl it through the window. When she did so, Janet said it simply passed through. As for ending up in Peggy next door's bedroom, it was concluded that she had an out-of-body experience. So uh, that's pretty. What do you guys think of that whole uh, thing right there? This you know, whole, my, my, thing, it basically dematerialized. You know what, Mike? Let me tell you something. Nowadays... Nowadays, they would they would find out right away if this was true or not. 
there's all types of ways and people to find out. Yeah, but back right. then, Mike. But back then, w- w- you know, I mean, not really, because yeah. re- pretty recently there was the you know the thirty three demon house or whatever like that they no, called it. That was a guys case. But, but two hundred, yeah. But I'm just talking about these certain incidences. You know, so say say, dude, if if it's true. What the fuck? But and, if it's not uh, true, these people don't they know that they're gonna go? They're gonna put them in a loony bin. There's got to be some kind of truth to this. Back See me? back then, gotta be this SPR. I don't think they knew shit. Okay. Yeah, but, talking but, about inanimate objects passing through what portals, dimensions. Who it, knows? It could be true. It's, it's, it's too woo woo for me. I, you know, Mike. You know, that, Mike. That's what that's what the paranormal is all about. I see what he's saying. <laughs> I see what Mike's saying. I I I. I like my, you gotta see it to believe I, I have it, to man. see it to believe it. But my thing is, back then, where the f- I mean, dude, huh. where are they getting this? Sh- I mean, now all you got well, what's happening to oh, them is oh, what's yeah. happening. But yeah, they're trying to yeah, make I way mean, of what's you know. I mean, just just the, the idea of what's going on yeah. is is fucking disturbing, dude. Where now every time you change a channel, it's poltergeist or or phenomena or, or something, you know, or the cable series or or Netflix or, or whatever. But back then, dude, you you'd see very few in between the the, the yeah. Ouija board, the the terror people, you know, blah 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 blah. But I'm with Mike. I'm with Mike. I I want to see it to believe it. I, I do believe there's something going on. You know, in our universe, mm-hmm. there's a, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some un, un, unexplained stuff going on. But like Mike, I, I, I'm with him on this. I, I gotta see it. Yep. I gotta see it. I gotta hear it myself all because right. he, you know all, all this stuff. If it's made up or not, it's still fantastic uh, reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. This is definitely like one of the coolest poltergeist cases I think that I've read about. It's very disturbing. Scene, yeah. What you found out here. Well, by now, the case in Enfield was becoming known in paranormal circles all around the world, with news making its way to America, and the internationally known magician, Milbourne Christopher, who was the head of special committees set up by the Society of American Magicians to uh, examine allegedly paranormal phenomenon. So he himself never had witnessed anything paranormal, although he unmasked plenty of fraudulent tricksters, kind of like Houdini was doing, you know, he would like find these people who were scamming people and expose them. Yeah. But Milborn was introduced to Playfair through Dr. Dingwall, but Milborn <laughs> didn't want to be introduced to the family as a magician or by his real name, so instead Guy Playfair introduced him as Eric White. Yet, within 15 minutes of entering the house, Milborn started performing sleight-of-hand tricks and kind of performing his act for the girls, you know what I'm saying? He yeah. was kind of He was an awkward dude. So that night, the usual commotion stirred in the house with things crashing down, being thrown around, and the girls being thrown from bed. That night, Janet's bed frame finally collapsed, too. When Guy Playfair settled the girls down, he told them that he was going downstairs and told the magician to hang out on the stairs in an attempt to observe something. So the voice began roaring like a demented werewolf from the back room, and in the loudest voice they had recorded yet, screaming, Get out, you, or I'll double shit to you! Get stuffed! <laughs> and they said that get stuffed was repeated several times with increasing fury, like, get stuffed, get stuffed, what? get what? stuffed. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it means fuck yourself. Yeah, right, go fuck yourself. <laughs> 
So eventually, Janet appeared at the top of the stairs and attempted a conversation with the magician, but her thick Cockney accent was too much for the American magician to understand. So he resorted to using using magician's powder to produce three flashes of light. (laughs) Janet was then heard on the tape, turning around, returning to her room, and saying to herself about the magician, He's gone mad. (laughs) It's funny. Like, on the tape, you can barely understand it, but she's like, you know, she's standing there, and she's like... Hello, my room. I'm fried and it's making me scared. He's like, I'm sorry, what, little girl? You know, potagos making me scared. I'm sorry. You know those tricks they do, like with the light? That's what he's doing. Like, he's just producing it out of his hands. (laughs) So fucking weird. He's gone mad. So Melbourne was convinced that Janet was trying to sneak downstairs to throw something or to cause a ruckus and concluded that the entire Enfield poltergeist was faked. To this day, the bunkers still use this bozo's temp, uh, testimony <laughs> to invalidate all the Hodgson story as a hoax, yep. which I don't think you could really do. There was a lot of people doing that that showed up and were just like, you know, spent an hour in the house and was like, oh, they're faking this. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So by now, the voice didn't have any objections to anyone being in the room or looking at Janet when it spoke. So the investigators were able to get a good look at how uh, Janet and the voice possibly was being produced. So they experimented by taping Janet's mouth, filling it with water, and tying a scarf tightly around her head while she was wearing her tooth brace. And still none of this stopped the voice. Gross managed to get it to repeat the the phrase, bottle of beer knowing this to be difficult for one uh difficult phrase for ventriloquists since you cannot make the b sound without closing your lips uh the voice managed it however without the noticeable movement on the part of janice's lips so janet said that it always felt like the voice was coming from just behind her neck and some and like someone was sold, holding their hand around the back of her neck a speech therapist that later studied the voice in person concluded that she didn't know where the voice was coming from or how it was being sustained. And she pointed out that Janet and Margaret's normal voices were totally appropriate for their ages, showing no signs of damage she would have expected had they been producing those guttural sounds naturally. They found that on analysis, the voice was not made by the larynx or the voice box, but by the false vocal fold, which is above the larynx, and you only use that when you lose your voice. So, by the way, uh, the voice would sometimes talk for hours, uh, upwards of three hours at a time. Imagine, do you think you can make that voice? If you tried no. to make it right now, could you make it? Could you talk in that exorcist voice for no. three hours? No, you, yeah. you'd eventually, <clears throat> you know, clear your throat or your cough or you. But, but you, you know what, though, Sammy, them yeah. bringing in a speech uh, therapist, yeah. Dude, that's what you know. What the guy played for Maurice, you know, the whole SPR. That's what their whole thing was. They wanted to be scientific about it instead of like the Warrens approach, you know, where it was like she's a demon, give her an exorcist. But, yeah. but see, <laughs> that, that, that's what I like. I was I was telling Mike on the last episode when I was telling about that fish thing. Like, uh-huh. if there's too many fish, you don't know the same area that they suck ball here and they die. That, that, that was. That, that, <laughs> I still don't think that's true. Sammy's got to look it up. Uh, but 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 to go to a. a um, a uh, ventriloquist, a ventriloquist, Amy. What? What can't they, they say? Beer? They can't say their b words. Bottle of beer without what, without what without now? moving their lips. You now know, see, like... now see who would think of that shit. Dude? But you know what I thought of when I heard all this was um, Mercedes McCambridge, who did the voice yeah. of the Exorcist, Pazuzu. Yeah, yeah. yeah she oh, she's the voice for this. Yeah, yep. she was a voice actress. But they like they made her eat eggs. They like yeah. made her chain smoke. Yeah, they even like chain smoke William Friedkin like tied her down to a chair to make her say tortured her. Yeah. 
it was fucked up. But yeah, all, think of all the shit she had to do just to make her voice yeah. sound like and that. And how, you know? how many takes did they have her do, too? You know? Oh, tons, I'm now sure. See, yeah. Now, see, when I found out that there was a woman and Mike told me what they did to her... <sighs> You know, and then you told me. Oh yeah, they made her like, Holy like I said, shit. chain smoke, drink alcohol, gargle with it and yeah. shit. I mean, I, I, eat I raw would, eggs. I, if Mike didn't tell me that, don't do that. Cool thing, you know what uh, I also found out is she's from Joliet, Illinois. Oh, oh really? Yeah, oh. not too far from us. You know, I never, as long as I've been watching this goddamn movie and being afraid of it, I never knew it was a woman until Mike told me. <laughs> until Mike told me that the voice was a woman, and I was like, no, dude. You, you know what? They did cool things with her, too, where they, like, made her record things in, like, different octaves, and then they put, like, three octaves together for one voice. Damn. Yeah. So it's basically, sometimes, like, when she's talking, it's, like, three voices in one. Mm, pretty inventive. Mike, yeah. Mike, the new, the new exorcist, is it going to be the true now? Is it going to be a boy? They're not doing remakes. They're doing sequels. Or sequels. I mean, is it going to be a boy? Why would it be a boy? Because uh, wasn't it a b- boy? Well, I did see that. Sequels, uh, not remakes. Yeah, I did see that. It's a new one. It's about like a father, a single father who I'm not sure if it's, you know, a son or daughter who gets possessed. And then they go to um, Ellen Bernstein's character. Yeah. I forget her name. Oh, okay. uh, Chris uh, McNeil. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, yeah, it's a sequel, but like a loose sequel kind of. Yeah. Kind of like how they did the new Exorcist uh, TV show. It was like you know, liked, Reagan was in it. I liked it. The The TV show. It was all right. Yeah. <laughs> the uh the uh Mike you you you, you don't seem that excited about this No the the I'm worried because of uh the filmmaker David Gordon Green I thought he those new Halloween movies were garbage good, I mean good point good they point. were they were entertaining but they shouldn't have been Halloween films so if right. he's doing these next 3 uh exorcist sequels I'm worried There's gonna, 3 of them suck. they're doing 3 Oh yeah. shit is yeah. there any chance uh, as long as in Exorcist Kills, a Pazuzu goes on a fucking rampage <laughs> yeah, right. like like, Exorcist, like Halloween. <laughs> Mike, do you see them really reaching out and bringing Linda Blair back? I would hope so. If they can get Ellen Burstyn, they can probably get Linda. Yeah, I bet the second movie's going to be about her, probably. Yeah. All right, well, on the morning of December 23rd, the two, gold, uh, two goldfish were found dead in their tank. The voice claimed responsibility, saying, I've done that. So when Gross pressed the voice as to why and how, the voice said that it electrocuted the fish by accident using powerful spirit energy. Two days later, on Christmas morning, Whitey the parakeet was found dead in his cage. And this is a clip of Maurice inquiring how the poltergeist threw a chair and other objects and how it harvests the energy to do so. By the way, in this clip, um, they keep I put it in here just to see, like... This is the one where I said, like, it's kind of starting to get goofy here, the way they're talking and laughing in the background. But um, by the way, they keep calling this thing a. They say a seti. How do you? How did you uh, knock over the seti? It means like a chair, a city. You know what I'm saying? They say weird things in England. Here, listen to this. Hello. Yeah, hello. Goodbye. How he did that? Now you're going to tell me how you how you knock that seti over? Come on, tell me how you knocked it over. By the bottom. You what? You got what? Pulled it by the bottom. Yes. Underneath. Underneath it, yes. yes. And then what did you do? Then what did you do? Make Janet come in the room first. Why did you make? Why did you have to make Janet come in the room first? So she gets the blame. So she gets the blame. Yes. Could you do it if, if Margaret came in the room first? Margaret. Or, or or if Mrs. Hodgson came in the room first, could you do it then? No, she's too old. She's too old. <laughs> could you do it if I came in the room first? 
No. Well, what's age got to do with it? What, what difference does it make? How take old energy from young people, not old ones. Oh, you only take energy? Yes. Why can't you take energy from old people? I use it all in the day. Pardon? I use it all. Oh, old people use more energy during the day. And do young people store it up then? Yes. How do you take their energy? Electric shocks. You take it by electric shocks? <laughs> do you take electrical energy then? Yes, I can. If you can? I can take electrical You can take electrical yes. energy? Yes. If you don't take that energy, could you tip the SETI up if you didn't take the energy? No, no, I couldn't. You couldn't Impossible. Do it. Impossible? Yes. You always have to use energy from people? Yes. Can't you take energy from anything else? No. You can't? No. Okay, here's why I think this is bullshit. This thing is answering them so fluently and with such speed. Like, in most cases, when they're trying to communicate, you hear about, you know, paranormal research, uh, this and that, investigators. It takes forever to get an answer, especially from like an EVP. You got to ask it the same yeah. question. Maybe or the ra- what do they call it? The radio box I, or something? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Mike on the that. spirit box? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, you got to ask it about five times, and then it, it's not going to answer that fast in like fluent sentences. But also, to yeah. me, this seems like leading the witness. This clip right here, you know, he's like, yeah. "So, do you take the spirit energy?" And she's like, "Yes." Do you not take? You know, it's like he's asking questions that he needs. Right. You know, she only for, has to say for, yes or for no. For her to, to be answering that fast, I think it's bullshit. It's, she's it, also keeps saying, you know, blame or you know the b word again. You know, she keeps saying that where we just said it's hard for ventriloquists to do that. You know, oh, to to form a word. Yeah. With a letter My, Mike's. I totally agree with that. It sounds so scripted. I just don't like when it gets mad, Sammy. When it, like, it seemed like he was getting. No. Mad. I, don't, <laughs> I, 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 I don't, dude. I don't like that. It, it was funny, though, looking over at you guys because Sal is like getting freaked out over I, there. And I, Mike, I, I could was. see like, the I, fuck I, is I, this I, bullshit? No, no, no. I, 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 I could, I, at the same time, see, I, I, I'm a knucklehead, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, man, it, it, it sounds so scripted. But when it gets mad. Dude, that bothers me. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) So here's another uh, continuation of that clip with the voice talking about a book that was thrown through the window. Um, Funny story about that is like what happened was after the pillow was thrown through the window or, you know, the cushion that ended up on the the roof, they asked uh, Maurice was like, can you throw this book through the window? And Janet just like took the book and threw it right through the window. It shattered all over the place. And the voice was like, <laughs> and they were like, why did you do that? And he was like, you didn't say how, you know, he's like, the voice was being a fucking asshole about it. So this is them kind of talking about that a little bit. <laughs> what else could you do with energy? Put books through the window. Put books through the window. Who put the books through the window? I did. You did? I took a shortcut and put it through it. Ah, I see. How would you have done, if I'd have said to you, put that book through the window, without breaking the window, how would you have done it? I opened the window and found it. Sorry? I opened the window and thrown it out. You would have opened the window and thrown it out? It's a package window, front room. Yeah, but could you have thrown it through the glass itself without breaking the glass? Yes. How would you do that then? Dematerialize it one night in it. Dematerialize it? Yes. How do you do that then? I don't know, but I don't stomach it, don't I? You don't know how you do it? No. A gift. It's a gift, is it? <laughs> 
So she's saying that it's a gift that she's able to, or, you know, that the spirit is able to dematerialize something. Where, where are you getting all these clips? Um, they're just online around here. Wow. Yeah. You can find a good chunk, maybe, you know, about five, six minutes of uh, some of these tapes. Yeah. Or just different uh, interviews. Nice. They're in there. Yeah. I don't know, but that would fuck me up talking to anybody that could do that voice, man. <laughs> I don't give a fuck phony or not. I, I, it's creepy, especially need, if it's talking to you for three hours. They, but they, they need to go but, on America's Got Talent. Yeah, but there's I, also parts like in the book where a guy at Playfair is like, you know, I had it up to fucking here with this voice because this <laughs> thing would go on. You know, it'd be like, it'd just be talking about, row, 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 you about, fuck yourself. And it's like, <laughs> You know, it just go on about bullshit for hours and hours and hours. Like, <laughs> so on uh, Christmas, which uh, this is a good episode for you know this time of the year, we're recording this. It's like it's it's Christmas week right now. Yep. Yeah. So on Christmas, Janet was sitting by the window in the living room, and one of the curtains wrapped itself around her neck and began to strangle her. Two days later, it happened again, but with two witnesses, Margaret and Peggy next door. That same night, it happened again with her comforter, then the sheets, then at least three more times after Janet went to sleep. So on New Year's Eve, there was a huge commotion of things being thrown about, decorations ripped off the wall, and the Hodgins being repeatedly kicked, punched, and actually picked up and thrown. When Peggy asked who was responsible for it, the voice, now calling itself Fred, said it, was, uh, it wasn't him, but a five-year-old boy named Tommy. He said that Tommy was upset about, quote, the machinery in the bedroom, referring to the camera setup David Robinson had installed recently. And the voice wanted them to, quote, get that shit out of here. <laughs> These spirits are some mean motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, so Fred claimed to be a helpful spirit and told Peggy Hodgson to get rid of the plastic bag of knives that she had brought downstairs from storage just after Christmas. <laughs> The knives had come from up the from the house up the road where the little girl had been murdered, the same whose furniture Peggy had taken and disposed of previously. Fred said, "Get them out of here before Tommy gets a hold of them. He could be dangerous with a north." <laughs> so Tommy sounds fucking scary too. He's almost like the one without a face, you know. Jesus. So on New Year's Day around 10 a.m., Janet came downstairs and told Peggy that there was a knife following her around. Janet said the knife was dancing around in front of her too. And Peggy went upstairs to investigate, found nothing. But when she came back downstairs, she found one of the knives that she had just put away in the kitchen drawer lying at the bottom of the stairs. On January 15th, 1978, Peggy Hodgson's 48th birthday, Margaret had just used the bathroom and she was leaving when she felt a tap on her shoulder. When she turned around, she saw that someone or something had taken a piece of dookie and written shit on the wall <laughs> with it. <laughs> This is, I'm, I'm guessing this is about to be Sal's most favorite, oh most favorite segment we go. we've ever done on this oh podcast. No. Are you ready? <laughs> so a few days later, Margaret, <laughs> Margaret was again in the bathroom. Uh, Peggy was sitting in the kitchen <laughs> and Peggy was hit on the small of her back with a dookie wrapped in toilet paper. <laughs> Peggy inspects. She got all. Peggy got pissed. She inspected Margaret's hands and found they were. She went, fuck you. Fuck is this? Come over here. Let me see your fucking hands, mate. You're throwing shit now. We haven't had enough. We haven't had enough with the poltergeist. You're throwing shit, mate. So Peggy next door then gave a description of the bathroom door opening on its own accord and a pancake-like turd over the edge of the toilet. Peggy said it was almost black in appearance and it was very it was very very smelly she said. Oh my God. That reminds me of South Park when Mr. Mackey 
<laughs> he's, he's asking the boys. He's like, okay, boys, who, do, oh. who put a dookie in the boys' urinal? <laughs> Fucking where demon the fuck? Sam, where you get to- <laughs> So see, this is this is the point in the story where I'm like, if these people are faking it, they are fucking insane. A black now we're fucking with shit. Turd. <laughs> a black demonic <laughs> pancake <laughs> turd. It was a demonic dookie. turd, dude. <laughs> okay, who dropped the dookie in the in the boys? <laughs> Who said that? I don't know, Mr. Mackey. It's <laughs> fucking old, Mark. Oh, oh. It's poop again. <laughs> What's that smell? Dookie. I was watching it the other day. It was cracking me up. Oh. Old man Clemens hates shit. <laughs> he called the shit poo. <laughs> He's going to shit when he realizes oh. it's shit. Mikey, Oh, man, Black so... demonic pancake turds. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, it's coming. Oh, my God. Okay, I just seen another one outside of the tire rubber. There's a, there's, I think Sammy told me about it. The they movie where there's a possessed lawnmower. <laughs> I don't know that Did one. You, uh, now there's a dookie, pos- a possessed <laughs> oh, dookie. God. I mean, yeah, I saw rubber in the theaters, man. <laughs> oh, God. That was bad. What was his name? Robert. Robert. The Robert. Robert the doll. The tire. Uh, so Margaret also found the words "I am Fred" oh. on the back of the bathroom door, spelled oh. out in David Robertson's electrical tape that he'd left behind. <laughs> uh, one day, Perry, uh, Peggy was carrying the vacuums upstairs to clean the girls' room one afternoon. When she was halfway up the stairs, she saw an apparition of the bottom half of a man's trousers—the type her father would have worn, circa the mid '40s—is what she said. Uh, one day, Guy Playfair smelled smoke, but assumed it was a neighbor having a bonfire. Uh, when Margaret went into the kitchen, she screamed and called for Guy, who rushed in and discovered plumes of smoke coming out of the closed drawers. There was a large box of matches in the drawer that was on fire, yet the matches inside were untouched by the flame. Weird. Yeah. This is weird, wild stuff here. Still, weird, wild stuff. I, I'm still dookie. So, fires that also broken out. Sorry, Mr. Mackey. <laughs> boys, who took a dookie in the boys' urinal? Who <laughs> took a dookie? <laughs> so, fires that also broken out on the gas stove when tissues were placed beneath the flames and a frying pan. The weird thing was that the tissues didn't catch fire. Another time, they were found. Uh, they found a laundry detergent box of flame on the stove. A mat in the middle of the kitchen floor also caught fire. Uh, later in the month, Peggy Hodgson reported seeing a picture on the wall spinning around on its own. So Maurice Gross started to have experiences outside the Hodgson home, such as uh, his car engine revving up on its own, something the voice later claimed responsibility for. Um, he heard phantom footsteps in his home and loud banging. There was also a three-stone diamond ring belonging to Maurice's wife, Betty, that went missing for six weeks, only to turn up in the exact jewelry box that it was always kept in. Um, it isn't made inexplic- uh, explicably clear as to why, but Maurice told Guy that this ring had a strong association to his daughter, Janet Gross, who died in a motorcycle accident. Gross then started, uh, started to wonder if poltergeists were somehow contagious and if his daughter Janet somehow had something to do with the events in Enfield. The coincidences after her death had left him thinking that it was possible that Janet was the one who drew Maurice and Guy's attention to the Enfield case and that she was using the phenomenon there as a means of communication to prove in so many words life after death. Um, as for Guy's involvement, Janet Gross was a journalist and Maurice figured that Janet would want someone there was also uh, able to document everything and write up a factual report. 
What do you guys think about that? You think that could be true? Maybe. Mm. Anyway, I, you, you know what I think. If it was, there, it would have been documented in a, in a in a legit way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, Guy Playfair did that. He wrote I mean, a book about this whole thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So soon after that, Guy brought in another medium, an amateur poet and full time London taxi driver named Gary Sherrick. See, here's the thing: they keep <laughs> bringing that? in these amateur people. Yeah. Was any like well respected journalist from like the BBC? See, that's what I mean. Oh, tons there. of them. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. They did, yeah, the BBC, the Daily Mirror was uh, pretty much you no, know, it was respected back then, but you know, it wasn't like the the shit rack that it is now or whatever <laughs> you would call it. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, this this uh, full time taxi driver Gary Sherrick, he refused any form of payment for his services, but he also told them that he would only talk to the family one time. He told the Hodgins that many lives ago, the girls were sisters who dabbled in witchcraft. In the present day, they were mediums attracting nasty spirits. And he got the impression that one of those spirits was a nasty old woman who lived near <laughs> Spitalfield Market. He claimed that it was her writing things on the wall and doing horrible things. And that was uh, that she was responsible for the nasty smells in the house, such as shit and rotten vegetables. <laughs> this was the woman writing shit on the wall in Dookie. <laughs> Kind of like Art the Clown. It's a shit demon. Remember that? He writes his name on the art was here as he's bashing someone's head in. So Gary then went into a trance, allowing his spiritual guide, an an Indian named White Cloud, to take over his body and create a spiritual doorman of sorts for the house, who was a Welshman he called Mr. Die. So this whole time, Jerry is speaking in very different voices for each character. Like, you know, he'd be like, all right, mate, I'm going to introduce you to my <laughs> spiritual guide, White Cloud. Good evening, White Cloud. Come here to introduce you to a fucking Welshman, mate. <laughs> and just think of how goofy this is right now, you know? Oh, it's goofy, all right. So before he left, he gave the Hudsons uh, some contact healing and taught Margaret a technique for quote-unquote closing the door and keeping bad spirits away from the house like he thought this was you know a spiritual matter here that was uh they could just you know again that they were mediums that they could uh, harness this energy kind of like a jedi Who like knows? a jedi <laughs> <laughs> so like the other couple of times that the mediums visited the family experienced a brief period of peace and calm for a couple of weeks uh, but soon enough, everything picked right back up with furniture turning over, small objects flying about, sounds like knocks and thuds, and of course, the voices. But the worst of all was that the appearances of Dookie were becoming more frequent. One day, Peggy went into the bathroom to help Billy with his bath, only to find shit smeared everywhere. It was on the walls, it was in the bath water, on the floor, it was on Billy. Oh my god. <laughs> It's like that shooting Caddyshack. <laughs> Dookie! <laughs> so puddles had also begun to appear in the kitchen or the bathroom, usually large and foul-smelling. So Maurice collected some of the liquid in a bottle, and he had John Burkham take it to his colleague at the hospital for analysis. Uh, the colleague thought he was having a laugh, telling him, This is Cat's Pits, mate. What are you doing? You having a laugh? <laughs> so, uh, again, the manifestation of odorous wet spots is another classic sign of poltergeist. Fucking awesome black metal band name, Odorous Wet Spot. <laughs> Sometimes they can be seen as forming and seeming uh, seemingly manifesting out of thin air. 
So uh, Maurice Gross didn't believe it was the children spreading the excrement, but Peggy Hodgson thought that it was her ex-husband that was responsible for this. Like, that's a little far-fetched for me. Like, this guy's just coming around shitting everywhere, especially when Billy's in the bathtub. What is he doing? Sneaking in, shitting, and Billy, don't tell nobody I'll shit all over you. <laughs> Uh, this is getting this is getting i don't know how how come this wasn't portrayed in the film (laughs) exactly they should this is a way better movie than the conjuring too yes oh my god (laughs) come on Sel. would you rather see ghost or fucking poop on the wall (laughs) (laughs) well sales never mind (laughs) let's not talk about mcdonald's (laughs) so at this point at this point maurice went on holiday for two weeks Well, Guy Playfair stayed away from the Hodgson residence to see what effect their joint absence might have, which was absolutely none at all. Uh, The day after their departure, there was knocking all over the place. Two chairs fell over. A plant hopped off the kitchen sill into the sink. The sofa cushion slid to either end and stood upright. A box of paper tissues moved on its own. And a puddle of liquid and two piles of dookie were found on the floor. Also, a pile of ice cubes turned up on the kitchen floor, though. Uh, though the there were, ice is turning into the shit. Yeah, though there were none missing from the fridge. But so I could just see Peggy Hodgson too, like, <laughs> "Don't eat those ice cubes." Yeah, right. There was a pile of shit on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that Mike knew where Dookie came from. No, no, Peggy's no, like, Dookie. <laughs> What's that smell? Dookie. <laughs> I shouldn't be oh. eating these ice cubes. There was shit on them earlier. Fucking no old part. Oh my god, that movie was so bad. So one day, the most elaborate construction appeared oh. on the kitchen table, consisting of two cups, a glass, a sugar tin, the tea caddy, a butter dish, a flannel, and a dishcloth, all piled on top of each other. The voice <laughs> proudly announced. I done that, <laughs> but gave no further information. And this um, this kind of reminds me of the poltergeist, like how poltergeists are sometimes related to alien activity. Have you seen um, <laughs> like dark? Uh, what is it movie? Dark Skies with 2013 from oh, Scary yeah. Rus- yeah. Russell's yeah. in it. Yeah, this one was good. Yeah, yeah, this one was creepy. There's a lot of like poltergeist activity in this movie before they really reveal that it's aliens. You know what I'm saying? It's pretty cool though. They got the whole thing on the. Uh, yeah, the kitchen table that she finds. Yeah, I don't know the the scene with the chairs in Poltergeist when she yeah, walks in. That, that was very that, disturbing. That freaked me out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm with him on that. Or when she's sliding with the football helmet on her head. <clears throat> yeah, she's mm-hmm. sliding across the kitchen floor. <sighs> Crazy. So when Marisa Gross came back from his holiday, um, him and Guy Playfair gave a symposium for the second international conference organized by the SPR in Cambridge, which was held in the last week of March 1978. At the end of their presentation, they gave their joint conclusions that the Enfield case had offered almost every feature of traditional poltergeist cases and lasted more than twice as long as the average, summarizing that the two leading theories as to what poltergeists really are as either spirits of the dead or disassociated fragments of the personality or consciousness of the focus person, in this case, Janet Hodson, that had insisting, um, I'm sorry, also insisting that the truth probably lay in a combination of the two theories. Maurice then mentioned that the episodes that had accompanied what he calls Janet's menage or period um, and the voices harping on the question of why girls have periods as a clear example of this connection. Never heard it called a menarche before. No, me neither. What the fuck? Let me ask you this. Do you guys want them to make more Conjuring films? Yeah, why not? I thought that last one was bad. The last one was bad. 
The three. Rice Conjurer, yeah. Three, I thought it was yeah. pretty good. There were some cool I, parts I in it. I didn't care. I, they should need, they need if to they, leave it alone. If they stop now, I think it would yeah. be, be fine. Yeah, leave it alone. I don't know. They're they're doing. They're definitely doing a nun two, and the the crooked man is also supposed to come out. So there was still uh, plenty of media media interest in the case, but at this point, it was turning into a spook or spoof controversy. Journalists, ventriloquists, and even an exorcist showed up after only a couple of hours with the family and decided that either the Hudsons were faking, you know, like Anita, Anita Gregory and Doctor Belloff. Or um, even the exorcist ins- insisted that Janet needed an exorcism as soon as possible. But um, the Hodgson's were all like, they weren't very religious. So they always, you know, were like, no, we're not doing any exorcisms, anything like that. Fuck that. So that's why the conjuring is kind of funny. Like there would have never been an exorcism in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So the appar- apparitions of human forms became more frequent. Janet was upstairs in bed when she saw an old man with brown trousers, an old ragged torn shirt, uh, uh, short and long fingernails walking into the room and attempt to scare her by standing near the bed and pushing her back into the mattress every time she tried to escape the room. So uh, Peggy also saw a young child dressed in a nightgown float out of the bathroom and cross cro- across the kitchen. Peggy also saw lights on the wall one afternoon, four of them, two round and two shaped like keys. Uh, John Burkham reported seeing several shadow figures. You ever uh, hear much about lights? Are they supposed to be good or bad? Stay out of the light, Carol Ann. Out of the light. Uh, no good idea. and bad. They do all walked the all walked the, out of light. They always what? say. Or you asked yourself, you asked earlier if mm. you were okay reading those lines or whatever like that. They always say if you're uh, worried about it to it. Imagine yourself uh, in a glowing ball of white light. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like that makes you pure with Jesus's love. (laughs) (laughs) So there were also uh, small things that happened while the girls were shopping, such as boxes or fruits and vegetables falling off shelves, uh, doors opening and closing on their own. Uh, But what disturbed them the most around the neighborhood were the couple of hate letters they got from tenants uh, that made it clear they didn't want to live around witches and devils like them. Take your demonic shit wiping on the walls, children, and get out! I can see Mike. I can see Mike's. Yeah, so some of the Nottingham's friends also stopped coming around for visits and parties for fear they might take the poltergeist home with them. Shit-smearing uh, demonic children. Uh, we heard y'all been <laughs> farting and shitting on walls over there. Get off black, our neighborhood. Black pancake turds. Yeah. <laughs> could, you see, could you see Mike making a mistake by putting his name on the bottom yeah. as a yeah. concerned citizen? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Mike, does, did not the shit off Morris. Take your coin slot assholes off here producing fucking pancake lock turds. No, no, Mikey. Mikey puts anonymously Mike's. <laughs> Signed anonymously, yeah. Mike. Right. <laughs> Love your neighbor. Oh. Uh, well, in June 1978, everyone was concerned about Janet's mental state. One day, Janet walked out of the bathroom saying that she did not know what to do with what she was holding. What she was holding was half a piece of shit in her hand. <laughs> the other half was in the sink, and she had apparently wiped her ass with a flannel shirt. Just, uh, I don't know what to do with this. Sammy, is this story, are, are you, is this similar to what, did, do they call what do you that, think I made this all up? Do they call that corpophago? Corpophagia when you eat shit, I think. Uh, yeah. What? Jesus. What? Yeah. Yeah. They Gross. Got name, they got a name for that? Oh, yeah. It's called pica. 
or pipe. Yeah, yeah, that's when you just eat random shit like chalk and fucking yeah. tax. Oh. Oh. They made a movie about that called Swallow, which is very creepy. Yeah, I seen uh, that. I one. seen that. I seen that. Yeah. So Janet was still having problems sleeping without being thrown out of bed, and a couple of times she rose two or three feet off the bed, apparently passing right through the covers on top of her. So it was decided that Janet had to get out of the house for her own sanity, and it was agreed that she would go back to the home run by Catholic nuns. Janet left home on June 16, 1978, before traveling south of the River Thames for the first time in her life and settling in at the Maudsley Institute of Neuropsychiatry on July 25th. So um, this is also weird. I found uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren said that they visited the Hodgson uh, family in interviews. Um, you know, they interviewed John Burcum, Maurice Gross, and Peggy Hodgson. But this is also the same day that Janet was sent away. So I'm not sure, you know, if they interviewed her or not. Or hmm. This is also apparently the same day that they recorded that BBC interview that we talked about where the girls are talking. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, the phenomenon died down um, a little after uh, Janet's departure, but not entirely. Uh, one day, while the entire Hodgson family was visiting Janet and Mosley about 50 miles away, John Burcombe went into their house to make sure everything was okay. As he entered the house alone, he went into the living room and looked into the kitchen, where he saw a solid apparition of a man sitting at the kitchen table with his back to him. The man had one arm on the table, and he was just sitting there, staring out the window. The man had thinning gray hair and was dressed in black trousers and suspenders over a blue and white striped shirt looking like it was from the 1930s. In the blink of John's eye, the man disappeared. And When Vic Nottingham heard about the story, he offered that it was his father, Fred Nottingham, a claim that neither Guy nor Maurice took seriously for some reason, which I don't get because there was, you know, all the things like, I am Fred. Why wouldn't they take that for real, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, that brings us to stage seven, which is the decline in poltergeist activity. According to uh, Rupert Matthews, the decline is almost always much shorter than the buildup. The poltergeist will lose its abilities in reverse and gradually become weaker. This is one of the things Janet and Margaret commented on in the BBC documentary, is that when they were together, the poltergeist activity was strong, but when they were apart, it was weaker. So doctors found nothing wrong with Janet mentally or physically and sent her home in September of 1978 with her having been away for nearly three months at this point. And within 30 minutes of being home, Janet saw the same apparition that Peggy saw of the young child in a nightgown floating around. She also claimed to see someone sitting in an armchair. Margaret and Billy also reported numerous sightings of old men. Guy and Maurice were then surprised to learn that of a story that Margaret shared with them for the first time ever, that four years ago she had some friends over, they played with a Ouija board, and that they saw a man then, uh, the same that they saw intermittently now. The apparition was big fat man. <laughs> it was a big fat man making faces at her through a reflection in the window. And again, this makes me think of the guy from Hereditary. <laughs> the smiling man. <laughs> Just cock, why, cock think, out smiling. <laughs> why didn't they ever get like a priest to come and bless the house? They weren't really religious for some reason. They didn't think of that, I guess. Jesus. I don't know. They were a yeah, fucking Maurice, Maurice, could, Maurice couldn't say, hey, this is a good idea. I don't know. I think there was a, maybe a couple people that came in and blessed it. Like they said, the guy the, that said they needed an exorcist, he was a oh. priest. He came in. But I don't know. There wasn't much that they said about what he did. <laughs> Same probably, did he did, probably had some coffee. Did, did Ed and Lorraine <laughs> yeah. financially make a lot out of all of this? No, not really. Except for the movies and shit, you know, in the books. Oh, yeah, yeah. They wrote books on all these cases, but not this one, really. But they, 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 they but, probably didn't charge, but they would yeah, say, "Hey, we, you know, maybe they yeah. would suggest a donation." The, 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 but see, but see, that's why that's why I was explaining to Mike. You usually, if you're a fake or you know slash phony, 
you're up to something. I mean, they were and trying. They always cash. were trying to write books it's, and stuff it's, and it's, sell it's, the stories. It, yeah, it's usually, it's usually cash. So to me, you know what the what the Warrens did a lot was they tried to um, like copyright your story. Yeah, you know. Like, oh, yeah. we're the only ones that can tell this, or if anyone tries to make a movie oh. out of it, they got to come to us. Yeah, and but okay. And then but, they're the only ones that make money on it. Yeah. Yeah. When it's copyrighted. But, but, I mean, obviously they're not, you know, bajillionaires or anything like that. Yeah. I, I I just think it was a field that they decided that they would have either some fun with or, or you know, maybe some kind of reality or, you know, yeah. whatever. Whatever turns your boat, man. You know, but, but like I said, I mean, I, I mean, again, the bottom line is like what Mike said. Seeing is believing, man. Yeah, definitely, 100%. So after a few more months, they decided to try one more medium, a Dutch man named Dono Gamelig Mailing, who had personally brought two Dutch poltergeist cases to an end. In October 1978, Dono came to the house, got to know the family, and then made an out-of-body trip in the astral plane to see what he could discover. When he came back, he claimed that a 24-year-old woman was involved in the case and that there was, quote, something going on with her head, end quote. 24 was the age of Maurice's daughter, Janet, had she been alive in the present day. Dono also felt a strong connection between Maurice's aura and the case. Uh, he said that there was something very close in his family related to the whole affair and that he had a personal relationship to it. Whether it's true or not, soon after Dono Gamelig Mailing identified the poltergeist as Janet Gross, the activity tapered off over the next year and eventually stopped altogether in 1979. <laughs> So what do you think? Is this? Uh, do you think this could have maybe been Maurice's daughter Janet? You know, reaching out from beyond the grave. <laughs> why though? And why there? Signs of life after death, or you know, like that's what they said. Maurice was kind of having that, uh, yeah, that kind of crisis between them. Okay, but why at the Hodgins' home? Who knows? Maybe it was another woman named Janet. Who knows? Mm. I don't know. I, I, it seems like it makes a little better ending to me that it would be Maurice's daughter, you know, reaching out to him than it would be. Yeah, but the whole thing with the Valak the nun. Yeah, but the whole thing with the the shit and everything. Yeah, who knows? And maybe she opened the door to other shit smearing goblins. Yeah. But but see that but this but see, same mean that's what I mean. I mean, uh, you know, obviously obviously it sounds like a lot of these guys weren't in their right minds. Or, maybe or, or come up that's, with that's the really... part by the way where i was saying once it got to the shit like if people are you know if they're fucking around with shit they're either crazy or this is true yeah <laughs> I, that's what i mean i mean you know now that's that's a good band name black pancake turd <laughs> 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 hey, anyway the, the the anyway regardless again i'm gonna say this it's a I, jazz trio the, okay. the that 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 <laughs> child talking like that sam and them bringing in the ventriloquist dude now see that's entertainment to me that's entertaining. That uh, it doesn't make me believe any more or less. I see where you know Mike. Mike is almost like my mouthpiece. He's saying what's on my mind. It, you know, yeah. it is what it is. This is more entertainment right now for for, for me. You know, what's also entertaining is my new death metal band, Put Putrid Pancake, <laughs> coming Putrid live Pancake. to you. We sing all the hits. Shit written on the wall. Shit on Billy. What's this, Bill? Let's hear it for our shitty drummer and our Dookie. shitty guitar player. Shit on the brat with a baseball bat. <laughs> Mike, Mike, do Hulk Hogan again. Okay. <laughs> What's that smell? <laughs> Dookie. Dookie. Oh. Could you imagine being? I love that movie. Man. I do too. I do too. For some stupid reason, I love that Zeus. movie. I love that movie. 
and 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 again, like I told you, the 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 puppet master movies. But but I got to ask you, two guys, off totally off the subject. Mike, you never responded back to me. Huh. What do you, are you gonna? Do you want to know or see Megan? Oh, because <laughs> yeah. let me tell you something. Let me let me tell you something. No, that's why I said it's off the off the book. Let me tell you something. So weird. Let me tell you something. Well, it is I, a James Wan produced movie, so no, I guess see, that kind of has a tie see, in here. Now, Mike, you did I hear you? Didn't you say? Are you a fan of James Wan or not? Sure. Oh yeah. Okay, but but let me tell you something, man. The only thing that fucked me up was in the forest. They show on the trailer. Oh <laughs> yeah. The little boy, I don't know what he did to that little girl, and and Megan said, "Now you you did be a good time for you to run." Yeah. And when she fucking was crawling on the ground or whatever she was doing, man, uh-huh. that bothered me. Let's go see it. I want to see. Yeah, you would. You want to see it, Sammy? Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll, go, we'll see go see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I told I told Sammy, Mike, I checked it up, uh, uh, you know, on, on on Facebook and blah blah blah, and it also said already they're making a second one to Megan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They also released a Scream Six teaser. Did you see that? Yeah, you were no. you were telling me about cool. that. Yeah. I gotta get my fat ass and watch those movies, man. But 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 Mike, uh, right. uh, when we were when we were talking about Wednesday, what's her name? The girl that plays Wednesday, Jenna Ortega. Jenna Ortega. Ortega. Now she's in the Scream, right? Yeah. Now how many? Yeah, she, she was in five. She was in five. She's in six too. Yeah. Oh, she was in two. Coming of them? out. Yeah. Okay. She's oh, going to. be. Oh, she's yes. going to be. Okay. Okay. They're raving about that girl, Mikey. They're mm. raving about fucking uh, Wednesday, dude. Oh, you know what else she was in recently was X. Yeah, yeah. She was in X. Yeah. I still haven't seen that either. You said you liked it, right? She was Sammy? in uh, what was that one? Um, X, oh X, man, with um, the Foo Fighters, Studio Six Six Six. Yeah, yeah. She got killed in, in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I think I seen that. That one's pretty yeah. funny. Well, uh, coming to stage eight of the Poltergeist activity, which is endings. Uh, Sometimes the activity may slow or skip to an end. Sometimes the Poltergeist activity will reach a dramatic conclusion. In many cases, exorcisms or blessings may prematurely kill the activity, but in others, sometimes just a focused person leaving the premises of the house causes the activity to seize, such as, you know, Janet going to the Modsley Institute for a little while. But that didn't stop the Warrens from arriving out of the blue early in the morning of August 1979. This is uh, actually in This House is Haunted as them actually visiting it this time. Uh, They took lots of photos and everyone was getting annoyed with their constant interviewing and talks about making money and capitalizing on the case. According to Peggy Hodgson, the Warrens seemed to be at odds with Guy and Maurice Playfair. I'm sorry, Guy Playfair and Maurice Gross, who felt that the Warrens were disingenuous and couldn't care less about the family, which is, you know, a stark you contrast. Say. Yeah. <laughs> from what we see from the movies, you know, they don't show up there. Why make some money off you? <laughs> Sammy, don't do that. Pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. So when the Warrens heard about one of the first instances of paranormal activity being Margaret playing with a Ouija board in 1976, everything was demons and manifestations of the (laughs) devil, whereas Maurice Guy and the SBR took a more scientific-based approach to it. Um, Ed Warren also claims in the book The Demonologist that he visited the family for a week in the summer of 1979 and witnessed every aspect of the activity from levitations to uh, apparitions to voice phenomena the Warrens also claim that when they returned home from Enfield and played their tapes of uh, the voice back, Lorraine went into her, her bedroom, noticed it smelled like alcohol, and found one of her crucifixes upside down. That's a good book. It is a fun book. Yeah, they, the Warrens have some fun books. Yeah, they're all kind of like ghost written by other people, you know, yeah. like Gerard Brittle. I have read this one, and it's it's there's some shit in there that's scary. 
We're fun. So, uh, yeah, that's our uh, our Enfield Poltergeist episode. Got through it. Yeah. So, what do you guys what do you guys think? All in all, you think you know is this uh, real? Are they faking it? What are they doing? Uh, again, can again, you not decide? My, my opinion, so entertaining, so <laughs> entertaining. And let me tell you something. Mike Mike brought up a good point to me, which I'm not a book reader, but I'm assuming he's somewhere, you know, where he won't be disturbed. Number one, okay, that bothers me right there. I don't like being by myself too much. And if I'm by myself, I should have fucking get to read something like that. The demonologist, yeah, or uh, or whatever else he's reading. He reads read he, at work, he, he, <laughs> dude. No, fuck that, man. I I want the TV on. All right, see, that's why I can't I can't do that. I can't. My focus is just. I like to draw a pentagram on the floor and then read it. <laughs> <laughs> <In dookie. laughs> yeah, that's right. I do, I do my candles. I do my uh, my my dookie uh, smear around. <laughs> my dookie pentagram. <laughs> I get comfy right in the middle of it. <laughs> I just got to say before we I wrap up. I got my up, jammies on <laughs> in the middle of my duke circle. <laughs> before we wrap up, uh, you know, this was this is a good series that you know we've been doing we're going to continue to talk more about the warrens and a whole bunch of different topics next year this probably be the the last one of the year uh that we do unless we can fit another one in next week we'll try maybe we can but uh you know we always want to thank you for listening and streaming on all the platforms and uh this year was i think kind of rough on a lot of people um all i'm gonna say and you don't have to comment but uh choose empathy people Choose peace, choose love, because there's too much violence and war and just ignorance and disgust going on in this world. So be nice. Yeah, everybody love everybody. And we're by the way, we're getting stickers out to everybody soon, too. Yeah, we had new an sticker over, idea. An, an overwhelming majority. Turn we had pancakes. A, <laughs> shit pancakes. Yes. <laughs> That's the new sticker yeah. idea. Here we go. What'd you say, Mike? That's going to be your pan name. Yeah. Demonic <laughs> black pancake turd. Putrid pancake. That's what I'm saying. It's going to be a jazz trio. <laughs> hey, email us and we will send you stickers. Yes. Sam, email. Last three rows of horror at gmail.com. Come on, people. Write us. Please. And get on Facebook and leave comments. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Get on Instagram, too. We got to add some more pictures on Instagram. Yep. Yeah, I've been meaning to get to that. Been, yep. been busy. Oh, yes, <laughs> I know. It's, it's been, been a busy been, couple of months. We've yeah. all been swamped. Yeah. Been swamped. Thank and God. I don't give a fuck about social media anymore. <laughs> I used to, but I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I have a hard time doing it. <laughs> and hopefully, totally understand. Hopefully we'll I need, you know, now that I got some time <laughs> off, I might have a, yeah, I'll start posting. I'll post, uh, you know, some of the, maybe some convention pictures. Sure. I got to get you guys to send me some of those from Absolutely. some of yours. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll send out some of Mike's uh, Hillview Manor. Oh, yeah. man. Oh, some yeah. of the pictures, man. Yeah. That's not right, dude. But yes, looking forward to next year. We're going to talk a whole lot more about horror movies. I think maybe about maybe next year, about like August sometime, we might be done with the the picturing <laughs> and the conjuring. No, no, I think we we only got like you know a couple more episodes. We're going to do Valak, um, the uh, the, uh, the Curse of La Llorona, yeah, and then we got uh, the Devil Made Me Do It, and that's uh that's uh, yeah three more coming from that. Uh, I think holy, they'll probably all be single episodes. Holy shit, pancakes. Cool. But yes. we'll sprinkle some in. Maybe we'll do a New Year's Eve episode, or you know, a New Year's episode, something like that. Yes. New Year's yeah. Eve movies. Yeah, we oh, got some ideas. New Year's Evil. That's not that's New Year. Oh my God, some of those movies. <laughs> New Year's Evil. I'm gonna watch Puppet Master. So we got some good ideas. <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. That's right. That's right. We made a, We made, our episodes might have become sparse in the last couple months, but this is our busy season for work. And uh, yeah, yeah. Now we're just bums. So yeah, we're, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're we're off duty. 
Yeah. Taking a break. We're, right. off, we're off dookie. <laughs> off dookie and off duty. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Later. Bye.